0: What's going on asymmetry? Hey, 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 exciting stuff, new and unusual things on the horizon, got to sit down with Hugh Grant, tree makers, fantastic, prolific Australian bonsai professional doing really, really interesting, high-level aesthetic, technical uh, implementations of design and cultural reference with Australian natives as well as uh, all of the beautiful aspects of Australian bonsai culture that people outside of Australia have no clue about. And Hugh is, uh, is an individual I've known for a while. He spent some time at Mirai and, and really just has his own direction, th- thought process and beautiful creativity to add to the world. So much so that uh, that Hugh's going to be joining us periodically on Mirai Live as a presenter and educator because he has incredible things to say, wonderful aesthetics to share, and beautiful innovative techniques that I think the world of bonsai will benefit from. And so uh, without further ado, it was wonderful to sit down with Hugh and also really fantastic to be able to welcome him to the Mirai family on a whole new level, uh, get excited because he's going to be a part of our bonsai world moving forward. And, uh, and I think the world will, will be uh, a better place for taking notice. Enjoy. Hello. What's up, Hugh? How are you, man? Hey, hey I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I got, got a lot more hair this time. Yeah, I've got a bit less actually. I know recently. you
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> Over the last, um, Gosh, actually, probably since I've met you, it's been slowly, slowly moving up in both directions. I think. Actually, I think the beard went out for a while.
0: I feel, um, like, I feel like you had dreadlocks. I feel like you got dreadlocks after you went back to Australia from Mirai. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah,
1: yeah. That was the finality of the um of the six year grow out. And oh, then was it? Mm. Yeah, and then when I got back, I got it dreaded, and then. That was another three years. And then since then, I've just been slowly shortening it up, growing this out. But now I've gone bang on both sides. So I'm happy now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, How how, how long ago were you here? When were you at Mirai?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about all these dates leading up to this conversation. And it was, I finished uni in 2000. I went to the Norlanders Trophy early 2015 when Mm -hmm. I was living in the UK. and then. I was finished uni mid two thousand and sixteen, which is then when I came over and worked with you for those um for that time, which was yeah, mid two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, wow. So that's
0: nearly, nearly gosh, it's six ish years ago really. Yeah, it? it's a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. <laughs> hot it's ridiculous. Da- I, I can't am, believe it.
1: It puts so much perspective on time. Like, Ugh. I only thought about it the other day and I was like, Jesus, like,
0: yeah. Yeah. it's ridiculous
1: how fast that time has gone. Like, I wouldn't have said that if someone had said, like, just off the top of your head, how long has it been?
0: Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. It I, was I, like maybe three or four years. A couple years since. ago he was here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Wow, that's interesting. And uh, and since graduating uni, coming to Mirai, going back to Australia, life has changed quite a bit.
1: Mm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. there's been gosh a ton of changes since then Mm. um effectively you know like as a younger person figuring out life and going through all those hurdles of being in your 20s but like yeah lots happened. like since i was with you it was like you know finishing uni studying with you for that period of time um coming back to australia working out new living situations finding you know my own my own roots i guess trying to trying to figure all that because because what i did find at that period in my life was like you know i went straight from high school to university studying and then came and studied with you and then it was sort of like this crashing moment of like i don't want to sound like sort of cliche but it was like who am i you know Mm -hmm. like like what am i who am i where am i going to go with my life what do i want out of my life i was kind of like just that classic figuring out period, you know, of, yeah. of a young person trying to figure out their path in life. And, um, and I think over that six years, since I was studying with you, it's been a, a sort of a process of battling and finding and just releasing to going with the flow and, and finding out where my life takes me. And continually it's pointed straight back to Bonzo. It's mm. pointed straight, like without even trying, it's just, that's, that's where it goes. And I'm just trying to like really go with that flow and you know the last two years it's really taken off for me which has been c- quite nice um like really nice kind of daunting kind of like yeah. overwhelming at times as as the practice is itself you know like yeah. the, the practice of bonsai I find is quite overwhelming at times it, it's interesting when I think about like you know, I guess it's another cliche that bonsai is like this Zen practice where you have like this <laughs> yeah right. calmness, so
0: relaxed, pra- whatever. To be honest,
1: I've never found that.
0: <laughs>
1: like if I'm really honest, like there's a, the, the, the moments that you do find it though, uh, make up for all the times that you don't, but yeah, personally for me, and I think I think maybe my work sometimes display, displays that I don't I don't I don't really get that zen moment out of Bonsai as it would sort of cliche be <laughs> ascertained, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're not sitting there working on trees meditating.
1: No, no, but, no. I mean, but there, is, the way, but, <laughs> there is. There's like that <laughs> yeah.
0: interesting point where you earn it, you know, like you, you go through the grinder and getting to I think as a professional, sitting down and working on a tree it feels like a treat you know it feels like Mm, a treat mm. for all that you have to Mm, do for this mm -hmm, freaking thing mm -hmm. and and when i say thing this this profession of you know dedicating to tiny trees um the amount of and we talk about it a lot but the amount of legwork is just it's just far more it's it's incomprehensible getting into it Mm, you mm. know, you know it's hard
1: to explain to someone who doesn't necessarily uh know what's involved in the practice i guess sure if you if you want to do it like well and with that like great great um amount of intention i guess well i think that that changes
0: yeah and i think that's what makes i think that's what makes you who you are you know and i think that's where we found a lot of symbiosis was in the fact that we were both looking to take these native regions mm-hmm. and uh you know geographical concepts and apply them to tree species and the environment and the culture and i mean australia much like north america was relatively untouched or untapped from that exploration which i, I do think starts to branch you know the craft and art of bonsai and all that conversation i think when you start using bonsai as a vehicle to explore those concepts i th- i think you do have the ability should you choose to seize it to really move into the art realm. And that's something that sits in your wheelhouse. I mean you're a you're a, you're a trained art art mind, you know?
1: mm, mm Yeah, absolutely. Um and I, I think that comes like like going back to that idea of like culture, I guess bonsai culture in Australia being new ish. And I, I say new ish because like it's interesting when you look at the history, I think like similarly to America, if you look at the history of how it's been practiced in Australia, it's, it's actually got quite a long, rich history when you look back at some of those earlier practitioners, yeah. such as um, like the Koroshoffs um, or a classic one. Um, uh, just, ah, names are eluding me now. Um, you got like Lynn Farrells in Tasmania. Um, you, got, you got sort of like many, many personalities that really sort of shaped bonsai in australia like in those very early 40s 50s 60s sort of period Mm -hmm. it was quite sparse then um but you know it's interesting lately seeing a lot of those trees are kind of coming out of the woodworks and being passed on to new practitioners or establishing professionals or Mm -hmm. places such museums such as the national arboretum a lot of those trees are really all of a sudden resurfacing
2: yeah and it's, it's
1: quite fascinating and i've spoken about this with a few friends of mine and like what we've been noticing is just the real um uh, there's a real interesting nuance to those trees that is of quite a high quality That mm. i think it, i i see like the the relationship of what australian bonsai has changed over the last five years initially it was kind of like ah oh, we're we're super young we don't really have much material we don't really have many old trees and then all of a sudden all these old trees are coming out of the woodworks we're sort of appreciating those seeing those and then they're being taken or attempting to be taken to that higher level mm-hmm. or that next sort of uh cycle on that vortex right of the tree's development as it matures and becomes and becomes something else slightly new that's been like a real perspective change for me because it's really highlighted to me like the the depth and the sort of long-term quality and attempt to create some really beautiful compositions over like a lot, a lot longer period of time than I even really uh, assumed or um, I guess noticed in a way. Yeah. And I think that's, that's becoming evident to a lot of people. Even with Australian natives, there's, there's, there's quite an abundance of really beautiful old long-term created Australian natives from that 50s, 60s period Mm -hmm. that then seem to got, be got forgotten in the later part of the 20th century and now they're all coming sort of back out of the woodworks again and that's like oh wow it's like in that in that 70s to 2000s sort of period all that knowledge and all that sort of exploration sort of didn't seem to be there as strongly as it was in yeah. the' 50 60s period right um and these are super big umbrella assumptions of but um but it seems to be what's sort of happening at the moment and it's, it's really cool to see actually all these, like, older pieces.
0: And and when those trees, like, you know, the Koroshoffs obviously are a name that, that, I, that I've heard a lot. I don't know a lot about the pioneers of the original, you know, the original movement in Australia. Mm, mm, but mm. when those trees uh, suddenly are unveiled as still existing, uh, it, are there... Have you had the chance to work on anything like that? Have you put your hands on any of those older trees? Um, I've I've recently had my hands on a
1: few recent old pieces, um, which has been rather fun. Um, one a, a student of mine purchased a couple of um old banksias from um I don't know, this is really embarrassing. His name's
0: Carl. Out of my head, yeah. <laughs> don't worry, it'll come back. It'll come back to you, it'll come yeah, back it's to you. Settle in, it's really embarrassing. I, I, like, what, time I guy, but, what time is it there? What uh, time is it there? 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, it's right. yeah. not not super early. That's no excuse. No, then. no, it's all not. Right. No, I know, I know.
1: I'm a terrible names person. Like, give me a face, cool, give me a name, it will breeze straight out of my, yeah, my mind. Yeah, my mind, it's horrendous. Yeah. But, yeah, um, but yeah, some really old Banksias, which was really, really cool. Um, both germinated from seed um i think in the late 80s early 70s mm-hmm. just these you would you would assume they were like these ancient pieces of yamadori but they were grown from seed you know in the same pot for all those years heavily 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 root bound. but that is added to that sort of constricted quality and um that was really fun to sort of renovate one of those trees and sort of push it to that next stage in development which was very elongated pulling it back in but also trying to give it that banksier sort of nuance mm-hmm. um so that was that was quite exciting but um yeah yeah there's quite I, i've had a few older pieces over the last five-ish years that i've acquired um from a few different collections um one, one really interesting melaleuca which i've really had quite a lot of pleasure taking to this a tree that hadn't been worked for a long period of time. And then sort of trying to find, um, that next stage in its development was, um, quite, quite fun and try, trying to pull out more melaleucaness out of the tree right. was kind right. of the, it's been a bit of a learning curve that tree, because I've, I've taken it through a few iterations of when I look back a little bit of nativity, but I think in the end it's turned out really, really beautiful. Um, of a a redesign over over a five-year period literally so um
0: and where i mean because this was always the thing for me um and north american bonsai probably followed a little bit of a different path than australian bonsai which we've talked about a little bit in terms of perspectives and study and all of that stuff but like you know a lot of the um, american pieces uh, really uh died with the owners right they they like mm-hmm. whether it stayed with the family mm-hmm. and the family didn't know how to take care of it and it went down or mm-hmm. um you know whether the family decided they were gonna try to do bonsai and preserve the memory and a lot of that i think uh correlates to the japanese american population post-world war ii and and all mm-hmm. of the there's a lot of soupy discussion around the context and significance of bonsai and that cultural identity preservation and uh, maintenance of that identity, uh, and and I wonder in Australia to see these trees resurfacing, is everybody like, w- w- where's this been? Like, what, who, <laughs> you know? And the fact that they're still there, is everybody like celebrating? Yeah. Is this like a like what's <laughs> because if if suddenly like. Uh, you know a dozen john naka trees or yuji yoshimura Uh trees uh or uh you know von banting trees that nobody knew about came out people would just be like what
2: is happening you know
1: (laughs)
0: yeah yeah um i can't
1: speak for everyone but i know in like the the small circles that i sort of keep inside of inside of the bonsai community not not that we're trying to be small but you know like uh, there's a few of us that all chat a lot of the time and talk about what's going on and flesh out ideas. And I know we're very much like super stoked <laughs> to see a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah. Like, like very, very stoked because it, it is exciting to realize that that, that history is there and it's there in like, like what we're realizing more in abundance than, than I, I know personally, I thought,
2: mm,
1: cool. which is really nice to see. Um, I know, um, uh, two of my good mates sam thompson the curator at the national collection and um jared bailey the owner of Montaigne bonsai nursery in tasmania uh, we, we all chat a lot and you know we're all good friends and we, we get super stoked on that sort of stuff you nice. know like old collections resurfacing and and realizing the potential to almost in a way like i know a lot of us all three of us feel this sort of Oh, what's the word for it? Like, um, almost, I don't want to sound like, like we're, we're trying to be big wigs or anything, but like a responsibility to mm-hmm. kind of yeah. be a part of the, uh, caring of, or passing on of, or, um, taking on of those works to perpetuate them forward for the yeah. future. Um, and the hope is of course, in doing that to, to elevate those trees or maintain them in a slow progression towards becoming that 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 tree that will be um noticed and appreciated in the future sure. um i think th- there's this really strong sense of responsibility to sort of take a part in that part of this this phase of bonsai culture in australia which mm. is yeah really um kind of daunting but really exciting and yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity there to, to circle those trees forward. And it, and it comes at an interesting time when, you know, in Australia, I don't think collecting is ever going to be a huge practice just because we don't have the kind of, for example, in America, we don't have the kind of huge, grand, mountainous landscapes that, that you know, um say America or Europe has. You know, most, most of Australia is pretty flat kind of, um, sea level terrain right in when you compare the amount so i think collecting is always going to be a slightly uh, lower practice to gain material in australia mm. um so i think recircling a lot of those older pieces of material and even some of the newer you know 20 30 year old pieces of material as they come up and becoming older pieces i think that's going to be a real major player in our bonsai culture going forward mm-hmm. and yeah taking responsibility and acquiring those pieces and being able to perpetuate them forward, I think is going to be I feel like it's going to be a really big part of our practice
0: um, and community going forward and And I guess like the question I ask myself and the question that I would ask you is, you know when you when you find those pieces or have an opportunity to put your hands on those pieces. How how do you determine, you know, how much you're going to consider the initial concept versus how you're going to alter it in the direction that you're going to take with that design? I mean, I think this is a perpetual subjective perspective that each individual, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. you can see people that don't think about the initial concept of design at all. And it's about their impression of that design. I... Pfft, I don't have judgment with that. You know, Mr. Kimura was very much like a, I, I think he probably mm-hmm. did consider, but honestly, let's be real. He was like, he was going to make it the way he wanted to make it, you know, <laughs> like, and he sure. made a lot of brilliant pieces and consequently, yes. you know, yes. elevated the level. And also there were some pieces that didn't turn out so good. Like, uh, I, I <clears throat> have exp- I had experience seeing that process happen in Japan uh-huh. and it gave me a notion of how I want to orient how how does that how where do you orient there how do you decide on that like what's in your in your limited experience but seemingly increasing Mm, opportunity mm. how do you Mm. organize your thoughts around where you stand in that conversation yeah 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 it's it comes back to that simple statement of like do you preserve or
1: or Mm. move forward you know and and i think i know this is like a, a very controversial topic but i don't think it needs to be because in my mind it's without sounding too like rash, I think it's a real simple um, process of the trees have to be taken to that next stage of evolution because they are changing living creatures Mm. that need to be um, developed with that continual growth in mind. And that continual growth suggests that there's a change and Mm. there's an increase in something right whether that's girth foliar mass branch structure and that has to be either taken on or it has to be sort of um not allowed to progress the same way it did when it was a younger piece of material Uh, i think we all sort of like feel um quite comfortable with that idea of progressing a tree for you know on and on and on forward developing that piece of material but then when we sort of become familiar with that tree for a period of time, I guess there's always that sense of like wanting to preserve that, that image that we really, really enjoy and like out of that tree. Yeah. But I think the the beauty in bonsai is that continual change and that continual adaption to that material and is in a way is, is, is honoring that tree because Mm -hmm. you are honoring its own process. You're honoring its own conceptualization of itself in a way like truly I think bonsai isn't, it's not really about the people. It's about the trees. Sure. And we're, we're just, we're like sheep herders, you know, in a way herding
0: them in a direction that, Takers, we're 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 a yeah, stop stop off it. point if it all, if all goes according to plan. Know. But like, do do those Banksias were they styled with a, a a perception of traditional bonsai as the backbone of the aesthetic, or can you even tell now after this long? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, yeah. The, and then you take so this is like, you know, as much as progressing, like I'm all for it because the trees, if it's not growing, it's dying. Like it's got to be moving <laughs> forward. I'm all for that. But like one w- one of the big things with and i particularly working with the Clark Collection in Fresno. You know, California has three public collections, Collection South, Collection North, and Collection Central. And uh, Collection South is in the Huntington, and it's, it, it's sort of the, the Southern California, Los Angeles, John Naka um, school of practitioners or descendants of that, and there's a very distinct style to a lot of the trees there. And there's some nostalgia in that, right? Like, yeah, it's mm. a time capsule, mm. nostalgia. Mm. So you know, working at the Huntington, I'm always thinking like, how how far do we want to uh-huh. you know push? How much do we want to uh-huh. deviate? Are the pieces we need to preserve? Collection North is in Oakland, and that's more like Mossy Mizumi influence, uh, Kathy Shaner influence, Dennis Makashima influence, um, and that that collection doesn't have as much of an identifiable style. Uh, but mm-hmm. Kathy Shaner's been curating that collection for a long time and continuing to move it forward with the help of a lot of dedicated people. And so it has a, a completely different ambiance and nuance to it. And then Collection Central in, in Fresno is was really a collection that Bob Hilvers was like, I want to preserve some, I want to modernize some of the designs, but I want to preserve some mm-hmm. of the nostalgia around this California style that developed on its own you know, over the course of these practitioners post World War II, mm. uh, and 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 so seeing those three, the way those collections are handled, and the way, way that the historical pieces are being handled, has given me a lot of pause. You know, mm. like, and so that now that question, as Australia is having these pieces resurface, I had no idea we were going to talk about this, but I'm super fascinated <laughs> because because you're one yeah, of the yeah, people yeah. that you're one of the people that is going to be making these decisions. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I guess a, a question
1: to you about those three collections and like the the differences, like uh, from what you're saying, like there is a different in decision making and aesthetic that needs to be considered mm-hmm. because of how they've been handled over time. Like, I guess, how do you make that distinction as to why why would I implement more or less change or how to react yeah. to that? Mm-hmm yeah like wh- where does that come from and what what is the point that makes you push or or pull in one or another direction yeah
0: yeah yeah i I've, I've I've had to think about this a lot mm. um, you know for me, the question is what is the point of value not value mm. monetarily what is the point of value in terms of the piece mm. is 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 a change of design going to elevate that tree to an aesthetic level that actualizes an entirely new perception visibility appreciation respect uh or dialogue about the tree or is the value in the nostalgia of the piece Mm. and i think you know there are a lot of california junipers whose deadwood notoriously rots at the base that have lost a lot of the components Mm. that made them special and now when you look at it you're like i could change this tree i could impose a change on this tree that would be a little bit more interesting design, but really the merit of the material exists in the memory or in the mm. former images and the fact that it's still alive in the hands that it's passed through. For me, that's an immediate removal of my interpretation of the piece. Yep. You, you know, it's just yep. like, pff, there's, there's va- there's value in the memory uh, or the mm-hmm. nostalgia of the image. And I try to stick with that. But then like, you know, I think especially the Katsumi Kenoshita pieces, where you're talking about these coastal impressions, or mm. um, a few of the of the John Naka pieces, but um, some Harry Haral Benoki pieces that are uh, that have a lot of history to them, and it's like, well, these are still world class trees that can really, mm. with this history and age that we don't often see, c- can be used to continue to push and explore and uh, have an impression on. The mm-hmm. modern modern perception of design and and mm-hmm. uh, nuances of what bones mm-hmm. can dialogue about i guess that's where i choose to empty the tank yeah. On, yeah. on on exhausting using modernized techniques and uh modernized aesthetic concepts to see what's possible as the next iteration of those pieces but that is the way that i've made sense of it you know and mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. i think everybody has to form that perspective mm-hmm. to be sure mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed, like, the first tree that comes to mind when you speak about that is the Kenosha Monterey Cypress mm-hmm. that you've sort of renovated. And I guess, like, for me, like, when I see the renovation of that tree, it's like, and this, this comes back to how I would see, like, where do you stand when you are making those, those decisions to move a tree forward that has that historical sort of connotation is like, looking at that as structural components, other things that are, in a way, the least ephemeral. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the trunk and those structural branches, I think yeah. paying attention to the preservation and the perpetuation of those, not via, gas directly removal, but how do they convey that next sense of age in that piece of material? And, you know, that Monterey Cypress really conveys that to me heavily because the structure over time that tree has moved towards more of a natural inclination of itself as a species Yeah. because that species, and this is something I've noticed in bonsai a lot is like a tree that is of a species. It's always going to enact like that species. It's Mm. not going to try and even if it was styled like a pine, it's not going to try and be a pine over time. It's going to sort of like grapple with itself to become That next thing which is inevitably itself it's not going to try and be something else no matter what we do to it it's always going to try and push and like going back to originally what you said about you know that Banksy I mentioned I think potentially looking at it it may have been styled somewhat with the you know a bonsai image in mind Mm -hmm. but inevitably over time and over time it not being worked for a long period of time it's It had moved back to having a Banksia feel, even though the very early parts of the structure seemed
0: more Bonsai-esque, for lack of a better term. Like downward angles? Yeah, downward angles. That's tough, though, right? That's tough because, like, you know, Katsumi Kenoshita styled that Monterey Cypress like a Monterey Mm Cypress, you know, 30, Mm, 40, 50 years ago. So he, that was built in. I feel like the shoulder of the branch carries the environment with it, yes, right? You, yes, you yes. up or down, uh, up and out, yes. up and out and down. These these movements determine where this tree is growing mm-hmm. and the image that it depicts. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. tough. To, it's tough to change that structure. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think when you work on old mature trees, you have to be very considered in the removal of big branches, right? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. that that Absolutely. that to me is the crux of all design when you are renovating really mature historical specimens is you got to be careful Mm. what you cut off. Mm -hmm. Um, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, but it, I am curious about the banksias because, you know, from the perspective of where they handled traditionally, if the branches were brought down like a pine now, suddenly it's like, Ooh, how do you respond to that? Hugh? Like, yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Well, well, (laughs) I guess like the way
1: in which we worked with this coastal banksia was like, even though a lot of those branches were down, there was all this information that the tree had built in itself Mm -hmm. over time that led to a story of somehow the tree having that downward branch inclination. But then there was this just tremendous and dramatic rise again in that structure, Mm -hmm. which led to this story that, and I guess this is the point I'm getting to, even though it was styled in that way, the tree has still responded as if that happened in the environment in a way that a banksia would,
2: Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. hasn't
1: responded the way, even if it was, let's say, it was styled like pine, it hasn't responded like a pine wood to those actions. Right. So, in the in the reprocessing, I'm going to call it of that tree, because we we took a quite a gentle approach. No structure was removed. Even the most leggiest of unusable branches were somehow tried to be used in the design to try and pull out as much of the process of reacting to how the tree had reacted that passage of time since it's maybe more mature state of design however many years ago mm-hmm. and i found that the most fascinating thing in interpreting that tree was like the tree is still reacting to that work in the way that a banksia would mm-hmm. It's not reacting any other way so then in reacting in the redesign it was reacting to the way the banksia reacted to the design that it had that was more traditional previously so there's all these layers of reaction that is human <laughs> and tree human and tree and
0: right the conversation
1: it was really fun because it, i think it embodies both aspects and the, the final idea was to try and move it towards that more natural idea of a coastal banks. banksia so there was a bit of wind influence implemented in the design there was a lot of elongation of the lines which worked with the influence of wind being a part of the design but it, to be honest it was really fun yeah, yeah a really really fun project to this like add another layer of reaction you know yeah respecting the structure was there but trying to move it in a way where the tree was the was what was telling us how to to move forward right we were not trying to work against it again yeah and i guess that and that's the way i guess i i like to work with any any trees whether it's new or historical is, is, I guess, a little bit more of a passive approach Mm -hmm. trying to really work with the lines that exist or the, or the informalities that exist and like, not necessarily use heavy manipulation, but try and really take on what the tree embodies and how it is moving forward. Because I think that naturally, you know, for lack of a better term, naturally allows you to tap into what the tree offers.
0: Each and every time. Yeah. So. Interesting. That's interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Australian natives, the Australian landscape, the growth habit of the trees there. When we went, where, where did we go uh, to see the eucalyptus? Uh, the, um, when, the, that was Budai National Park. Budai. Um, on the central when coast. We, yeah, yeah. When we podcasted on, it on the rock, man, that was quite yeah. a day. Yeah. Uh, seeing those really, really massive contorted eucalyptus was like ah yeah okay right so Mm -hmm. so like this can look any number of ways even in australia Mm -hmm. Uh, i enjoyed that because i i didn't and, and you and i have spoken about this the fact that brush fires are such a common aspect of the mediterranean uh, regions along the coast as well as the interior there aren't a lot of ancient trees in Australia but there are pockets of them periodically right mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and so yep. that that information is tough to acquire like what is a tree over the course of yeah. hundreds of years or you know I don't know if they're touching thousands I'm sure there are trees that are thousands of years old in Australia somewhere De- definitely definitely, yeah, yeah. Definitely, and it's definitely. like you know what is what does that look like um mm-hmm. That that is yeah. something we we can derive in North America from our native trees. We have mm-hmm. that still, which is just such a, a tremendous gift. But mm-hmm. uh, the fact that we got to witness that in in mm. uh, Australia was pr- pretty awesome.
1: Mm. That that's a special spot. That like that's a place I always go for inspiration. Just because when you think about a quintessential. Uh, eucalyptus form the, those trees um, and go through a castata or the apple gum they get commonly called I think I think the story goes when um when European settlers came they they saw them as like really old apple trees like hmm. the forms that they took hmm. so they got called apple gums right they just look like old decrepit apple orchards mm-hmm. that was the interpretation anyway uh, I believe that's why they that called looks that, like that. I like some <laughs> apples but... like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. If there's some apples like that, I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they take on any imaginal form possible. Like just some, you know, a tree that grows vertically straight, and then every structural branch pendulously falls down to the ground, and then grows back up as these really broad, cantilabra type forms. So it's just this mishmash of form, and I see that in a lot of the Australian landscape. There's there is this, I guess, when you think about a tree, you think about this con- consistent, perpetual sort of form that has, has I guess, like, um, well, what am I looking for? A consistency of mm-hmm. form in it mm-hmm. that you can see that has led to that shape. With a lot of, I think, Australian species, especially that, that tree, the Angothra there's no sense sometimes to the way that they've been formed. Like it's just absolutely mind bogglingly unsensical. Yeah. Um, another, another tree that uh, species that sort of does a similar thing is the after um, the pencil pines from Tasmania,
2: mm-hmm.
1: probably the, the closest tree I can think of that takes on forms like, like some of the American species, like sort of a mishmash between bristlecone pine um, and Sierra juniper in a way, yeah. high abundance of deadwood, these forms that just almost are like liquid and rigid all at the same time. Mm. This is the most fascinating trees, and then the foliage always taking on a very youthful, as the name suggests, pencil pine type look. You could have this rotating, contorted trunk that just does the most bizarre movements you've ever imagined. Yet each foliage mass looks like a young little cypress. Ooh. Each branch really fascinating Ooh. forms, and yeah, yeah. And this is a theme I see. A lot among Australian trees is youthful foliage masses attached to trees or trunks or structures of antiquity
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's it I think that's what leads to that idea of that heavily elongated line based forms that a lot of Australian trees take on. you know there's the Mediterranean environment of course, um, and the southern hemisphere environment having longer summers than winters mm-hmm. leads to more growth um, but yeah, that youthful foliage mass if you isolated it attached to this ancient looking piece of structure is a real key player, I think, in a lot of Australian aesthetic when it comes to trees yeah. Um, and the pencil pine does it so clearly, <laughs> like it looks silly. Sometimes it looks so silly, just a rolling trunk, spiral, spirals, spirals, bang, going around, it falls to the ground and there's a little Christmas tree attached to the
0: end of it. That's so it's cool. So, so,
1: so rad. They're the Ooh, best. They're wow. the best trees I love.
0: Sounds like subalpine, kind of like Abies lasiocarpa, Carpa, the subalpine fir, where it'll like yeah. have this branch and then yeah. these little tiny little like yes. Christmas yes. trees coming off of it. Yes. Yeah, I love exactly that. Exactly like that. It's, Me too.
1: It's, it's my favorite, like a tree on a tree. A tree it's, on a tree. It's, it's my, it's my favorite thing to see.
0: <laughs> yeah, because the sense of scale, you know, and I really think like, As bonsai has evolved, I see you playing with a sense of scale a lot in your designs, Um, and and scale and proportion and perspective. Those three, when I wrap Mm. all those up, you Mm. know, really have created uh, an almost unlimited opportunity because there is Mm. like the 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 structural orientation and how that branch is handled, there's secondary scaffolding, there's tertiary ramification, there's reduction of the inner node, reduction of the needle or leaf, and, and that all contributes to scale. But if there's a yes. common mentality of like, this is the age of tree we're creating, and this is what we can do to impact scale, it just becomes so drab, right? It's just like uh-huh. blah. And it's so uh-huh. much <laughs> effort to do this that I I personally needed more, uh, not more anything other than more opportunities or reasons to continue putting myself through this and that over the you know past I would say past three years really scale scale and proportion and perspective mm-hmm. like where are you orienting in, in the way that you're looking at this tree because you do tend to find that vantage point gives you a completely different interpretation of the exact same yes, tree yes, right yeah, and and yeah, this this yeah. in bonsai. I think in Penjing, it's a lot more of an mm. explored concept, and I think pinging its is, almost
1: like a part of the aesthetic. To it is. It is. What is your vantage point a, of the view of a, this piece? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. And yeah. and it's not something Mr. Kimmert ever talked about. That I, I I've heard uh, Michael Hagedorn speak about it before, and I really started just thinking about it and becoming aware of it within the past few years. Of like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, no, this is this has a big impact. Like, what are we? Mm-hmm. Why is mm-hmm. nobody talking about this? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because it because it changes everything. Because that that vantage point, like if you're going from a perspective of being right smack bang up against a tree, well, that that changes the proportion of everything. It 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 exacerbates proportions naturally, like creates definitely
0: massive in a way trumps. that
1: that that is the sumo effect, isn't yep. it? In a way, yeah, yeah,
0: yes, exactly. And then that
1: far distant form. I feel like that's where like I I probably navigate a lot more from is mm-hmm. that far distant idea. Mm-hmm. And I, if I try and read into it, it's probably because I, as a generalization, I feel like a lot of Australian designs or trees and the way they grow is a lot more heavily elongated Pro- trunk to height proportion, even in the ancient form is, is quite large. Mm. Um, so I guess when I'm trying to consume inspiration of a tree, I'm always my vantage point is always the distant. Yeah. Because yeah. that is the way to encapsulate that linear form. You can't do that from the base of a tree. You, you get that heavily 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 sense of sumo s if you stand under a 90-meter tall eucalypt. Well, in a way, your your perspective is going to be this highly, highly tapering triangle, right? Mm-hmm. Super tapering, right? right. Ridiculous, right. right? But if you made a eucalypt look like that. No one would ever believe you that you're trying to create a eucalyptus, right, at yes, all. So just course. say that's, that's a pyramid, you know, with some foliage tupped on the top. So to capture that image, you have to be 200 metres away to even get a sense of the feeling that that tree has, right? Um, and, I, and it leads me to sort of ideas. I, I've had this idea for a long, long time of how to actually capture that idea of, 90-meter tall forest of eucalyptus, right? Um, How do you get that sense of being under that tree in the bonsai form? Mm -hmm. And I think that comes down to displaying that composition, um, the perspective of the display. And I've had this idea of creating this eucalyptus forest that proportionally to capture that actual proportion that the tree would have, make the composition two and a half meters tall, but display the actual composition just above average head height Yeah. So your interaction with the composition isn't to look at it from that middle point of the tree. It's from the base of the tree. So you see, up. So you never actually see the apices of the composition ever. And to somehow then allow the viewer to only see that perspective, um, I think would be a really interesting way to get that without having to, in a way, abstract that form via going for the sumo style aesthetic to achieve that. Yeah
0: yes i do i do know that uh we <clears throat> there's been a, a a documentary filmmaker who's been doing some uh filming here at Marai, and and they they're doing a 12 month time lapse mm-hmm. of the bald cypress forest and in order for us uh-huh. to do the time lapse without building a big structure yeah. Uh, we elevated it to a significant height so they could use the yes. depth of field of the trees in the background as, as wow. the, yeah. the framing mechanism, right? And it takes like 30 photos a day, every day for yeah. 12 months. Like we can't move it. We had to build this, <laughs> this unruly structure because it's, you know, the bald cypress forest is already yeah. 45, 46 inches. I mean, it's almost four feet yeah. tall. Well, yeah. now it's six feet off the ground. <laughs> so the whole thing is like 10 feet tall. You know, it is so interesting my perspective of it because I only yeah. ever look up at it now, yeah, yeah, and I can't see the whole thing, and it drives me crazy. Like, what does it look like? It's exactly like experiencing a big tree where you're like, I wish I could see the apex of this <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Well, that's
1: exactly like you getting in a boat and cruising around underneath them. Exactly. Too, like, yeah, absolutely. Down in yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Th- that
1: anticipation is kind of kind of nice when trying to digest the work. Like that—that that idea of like I can't see all of it. I, I think that comes back to the whole idea of like, you know, not showing all the trunk of the tree yeah. a tree. Mm. Yeah, you, you create a little bit more abstraction, a little bit more like mystique. Um, how how else can you do that? Well, this is this is a way. You know, how do you display the tree? Well, put it out of sight in a way yeah. so that you only experience the in this case the undercarriage of the ramification, just as you would as if you were, underneath the composition
0: I think this is a great way to get people to start to twitch and fidget just with a tremendous (laughs) amount of anxiety because here here's what I've recognized my own experience (laughs) with this tree which I really enjoy this composition is man if I didn't want to if I didn't want to see this thing I, I I could just go continue you know looking at big trees from the base of them I do bonsai to get to to get to wrap my mind around that aesthetic in one tiny little tree oh, <laughs> and sure, now it's been oh. it's been taken from me no it's uh that's being dramatic. it's a pretty cool project yeah. and I'm really excited to see how it looks yeah. but but it is yeah. interesting in this vein of conversation how my experience with that tree has shifted. Mm. being put in a much more uh, uh, disadvantage in terms of gaining perspective of that. But I think too, you know, like talking about the use of stone and the size Mm. of tree that you put on a stone, and this is a matter of perspective that I think Mm. pinging – in all of the different variations of landscapes that Penjing was depicting. They had some distant mountain with a little speck of a tree on a massive stone, and then you have, you know, the up-close version where the stone Mm -hmm. is a minimal part of the composition but definitively Mm -hmm. there. Uh, These are just things that as you continue to, like, tamper with, and I think it demands a prolific body of work to come to some Mm -hmm. of the most obvious realizations, either that or you're you're consuming prolific amounts of content and pulling Mm -hmm. out different moments that, that practitioners and artists or professionals have and being like, I'm going to I'm going to capture that. I'm going to take a little bit of this. And I see that, but you have to synthesize all that. And without doing mm-hmm. it, I, I I personally can't, I'm a, I'm, I'm a learn by doing person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really taken a lot of, uh, trial and error to synthesize all of that Mm-hmm. um and, and you know, therefore, I have like 900 trees here. So that's what it, what it takes, you know. <laughs> totally, yes,
1: yes. I, I'm going through that that same that similar grapple at the moment. Um, because currently where where we're situated at the moment, we're we're still renting. Um, save, saving for a property to set up a facility at some point. Um, in the future, but you know, the housing market in Australia at the moment is ridiculous. So. We're holding out until we could afford something, but um, because we're renting, the space is kind of limited, and I really only have room for like 200 trees, like maybe 300 if I implement a lot more smaller compositions, like Max, in our space. And yeah, I've got I've got these itches at the moment, like like I I want that grand body of work to be able to explore all these ideas that I have without limitation of space and that's (laughs) I feel like one day I'll explode when I have the ability to um, to have a bit more space but uh, (laughs) yeah I'm really yeah quite tense about that at the moment just being able to explore and like just like you say have that crazy body of work that you can implement all those ideas limitlessly
2: yeah way yeah
1: Um, how many trees do you have right now I think if I count every single piece of plant material that's destined for bonsai or is on its way to bonsai or is a bonsai, probably only like 250 pieces currently. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'd say like, you know, three quarters of those are like containerized, ceramic, you know, ceramicized, let's say trees. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, even that, I was, I was walking around the garden today and I was like, this morning, I was like, ah, it looks a bit empty around here. And and I I constantly go (laughs) through this gravel because if I say that to say my partner, she'll be like, "What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) You're (laughs) look at all these
1: trees, yeah, yeah, look at all these trees." I'm like, "Mm, "Yeah, but you know that one I can't work on for two years because I got to let it rest in the container, fulfill the design, let it blow out, so I can redesign it again. Those ones were repotted this season. I can't work them till at least autumn of next year. This one is you know, and when you look at it, it's like." The amount of exploration that can happen physically time on touching trees when you have only 150 200 pieces that are actively being worked in some manner when you narrow it down it's not that much to handle yeah in a way yeah when you have a good schedule sort of maintained and that's been my goal over the last 12 months is figuring out a bit of a, a scheduling of works for trees and how you actually time different practices of different species um and as i get that more and more nailed closer. In terms of the the proficiency of that technique you know i actually got to a point a few weeks ago where i i didn't have any work to do mm. on trees like not there was always something to do you know there's always some dead wood to clean something to spruce up something to yeah of course. there's always something to do but like the immediate like this must be pinched by this day this must be pruned by this week in order to achieve the amount yeah all that work was done and i was like god damn <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm lost <laughs> but i'd never achieved that in my practice before and then all of a sudden i was like i need more trees Damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I have i have to explore i want to explore and but you know limited by space i have to be somewhat um respectful of that so that i don't compromise the trees that are already there yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah Yeah, I can't wait to explode one day, That's it's going to be exciting.
0: It's coming. It's coming. Uh, Now, now you moved away from, you were north of Sydney um, Mm -hmm. for a period of time, and then you moved to a very different climactic (laughs) region, correct? Yeah, yeah. So
1: all my life I grew up um, on the central coast of New South Wales, which is, yeah, an hour and a half-ish north of Sydney um uh, newcastle is that is that where you were closer to newcastle than sydney yeah yeah um yeah so technically uh the very borders of the subtropical sort of region of australia um so sort of sydney is kind of like the the finality southwards of the subtropical kind of area until you move into temperate regions so we moved almost almost to the day um one year ago up to the Blue Mountains, which is about an hour and a half west of Sydney, um, which is at an elevation of nearly eleven hundred meters. Mm. So that's three thousand six hundred feet ish. Yeah, no, three hundred feet. Three thousand three, 3 hundred feet. feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, which puts us now in a technically a cool climate. <laughs> so I've gone from subtropical to cool climate, um, which has been a huge, a huge shift. A mm-hmm. A shift that I wanted. I, I've always been a tad more interested in temperate and cool climate trees than tropical trees. Um, but you know, in thinking about that, um, I think it's far easier to grow a tropical tree in a cool climate than it is to grow a cool climate tree in a tropical.
0: Yeah, I don't climate. no doubt about that, right? <laughs> easier to keep things you know, I, warm <laughs> than cool. It
1: is, it is. A greenhouse is is a great solution for that. Um, but yeah, that's been a huge shift. It's been a shift I've been wanting to do since I was about 15 years old. So it's been a long time coming. I've always been very attracted to this part of the world. So, you know, last year when sort of COVID hit and, you know, classes, workload sort of dramatically dropped down, partner lost her job. We just said, let's do it. Off mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. very short story compared to the long story, but effectively, yeah, we just... Found a, a rental um, because everything was sort of going down pretty negatively at that time of time in the world. Um, we got we got the house straight away. You know, we we applied the next morning. We got a reply saying, "Hey, you got the house. When can you in?" So we had to quickly reshuffle and um, give a three week notice to our old rental and say, "Hey, uh, we're moving. We got." new work opportunities let's say (laughs) yeah sure and um we effectively packed up our live my business the garden all in three weeks and shifted up here over a four-day period and bang we're in a totally new climate winter hit a few few weeks later and (laughs) it was it was it was all different you know it was it was it was very fun though it was it was really exciting it was very romantic in a way um you know we get there and we've got this fireplace and we put the fire on you know it's freezing temperatures every night we're just like wow <laughs> <laughs> what happened our
0: reality has shifted well i remember your instagram yeah. posts of like i've always wanted to live where there was snow and you had <laughs> snow on you and it's pretty cool yeah i was super hyped i on got
1: that. i got so many messages from people from the states and like europe and stuff saying like oh you're excited about that like what's with you and i was like guys in australia snow is a novelty (laughs) right right.
2: it's a novelty
1: even in the even in the coldest parts of the country you know like in the alps you know a big year is an accumulation of two and a half three meters of snow that's Mm -hmm. a huge year so we're not we're not we get snow we get more snow than people assume but it doesn't come in abundance like it does in the northern hemisphere Mm -hmm. so I mean, get a dusting in in my garden. It's it's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's it's so novel. It's so beautifully novel.
0: It's the it's the best. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. And and with you know, like with it's so curious to me that when I was there last time, I was there was for the natives uh, mm-hmm. event. Was that the, no, it wasn't because I came to Canberra the the year after, right?
1: Yeah, you came twice in like a three month. Yeah, yeah, that was intense.
0: That was intense. Uh, But when I was there for the native event in Melbourne, uh, realizing that there were a lot of people that were practicing bonsai in Australia with native plant material, Mm. it was Mm -hmm. like, whoa. And some of it for, Mm. some of it was quite mature. I mean, Quentin's collection just just blew my mind, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so then, you know, like looking at that and seeing the rise of Australian ceramicists, this, this has seemingly gone hand in hand with like this attention mm-hmm. and recognition that, Ooh, as, mm-hmm. as a, as a landscape, we're unique and different as a, an aesthetic. We have things that we identify with. I mean, I think Tracy Francis and mm-hmm. Mar-um mm-hmm. Bung's studio, the work that she's doing has just been phenomenal, but you know, as, as you learn more and more, is there a ceramic tradition or is this something that's new to Australian bonsai with these trees coming out of the woodwork? And like, what's, yeah, yeah. what's the backstory to that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I have a few thought, thoughts about this. Um, the, the, yeah, the ceramic tradition in Australia, I think, it, I think it's much like the conversation of the prominence of all the trees. I think there's been an ebb and flow in ceramic production. There, there were. I can't think of many. Uh, there is a name actually I can remember. Um, Stuart Ferguson from I think in the seventies was a Scottish um, ceramicist who did some time in Australia and produced some really phenomenal, very interesting, kind of beautifully pudgy, amazing glazes, really profound, well-formed shapes. Um, there, there were a lot of ceramicists earlier in the day who made some really cool containers that eventually pop up, and you're like, oh. I didn't know about this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, a few more, uh, names that come to mind is like uh, Pat Kennedy is everyone in Australia who will know Pat Kennedy, who who does bonsai to some degree. Um, Pat makes, has has and st- still does um, from time to time, makes some, some of the most phenomenal containers. And I think they embody a lot of what I personally see an Australian container embodying, which is clean, well-made shapes mixed with this very intentional, organic nature to them, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not necessarily just being a rough pot, but there's, there's a heaviness and there's a lightness all at the same time. And I think that that aesthetic gets met via delicate shapes mixed with heavy textural colors or, or lines or shapes attached to or feet somehow that mix of highly rough and highly sleek all at the same time Mm. I find is such a beautiful aesthetic to meet the Australian aesthetic you know not only for Australian natives but just Australian made trees in general that that is uh, uh, an aesthetic I see as something that needs to be explored is yeah just that mixture of white and heavy heavy and white this this really interesting balance and Uh, Tracy Francis, um, who is doing and has been doing for the last few years, very phenomenal work. She really meets that balance for me as well. Very beautiful, Mm well-crafted, delicate shapes mixed with this like almost like slight aggression, slight roughness, very bold, but subdued at the same time. It's like this real heavy mix of contrast. I really enjoy actually seeing her containers on the um, web store because you get to compare them next to European and American yeah, ceramics right. quite clearly, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, it really <laughs> helps to um, <laughs> encapsulate the differences in aesthetic, you know, um, yes. like you put a European ceramic next to an American next to an Australian. I think you'll definitely see a clear difference. It's sure. very clear. Yeah. Very, very, and, very and clear. And at a glance, it's kind of like, "What is different because there's some similar shapes, there's some similar color schemes there's, there's even some similar textures, but the combination and how those different elements are used mm-hmm. definitely like influences the aesthetic overall and embodies you know that culture and that landscape and there's and you know um,
2: it, it, it's <laughs>
1: I love thinking about it because it really fascinates me how that is just an intuitive nature of people creating in a space.
0: Well, it's like the nature-nurture conversation where nurture finally won. You know, like... It is. You know, where it's it's like, ah, nurture doesn't matter that much as an individual kind of nature trumps all. Mm. I mean, I know Mm. there's debate about that. But in terms of aesthetics, Mm. you know, like you can't take the Australian out of an Australian... No, no no yeah and 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 <laughs> and you know being in japan for six years you can't take the american out of an american uh yeah, at, yeah. at least as as far as i experienced and so yeah. so it is fascinating but then you say like what is that i think your description of tracy francis's work is really really fascinating that's that's the biggest piece that i can say is is that you is that you do have an aggression it does feel mm. ag- a- a- aggressive mm. you know and yeah um in and not in an obtrusive way, which is where All it's right, like it's right. like a polite aggr- aggression, you it know? Is, it's like it is, yeah, still that's has, a great way of
1: describing it actually.
0: there's like a hospitality, but if you fuck with it, it's gonna <laughs> it's it's, you know, it's not gonna work out well, kind of a thing. like I really, yeah, I find that to be interesting. There's a beautiful little oval that's still on the shelf that i I continue to. And honestly, like her work, you know there are certain trees that just need a Tracy Francis ceramic, uh, and mm. they typically mm. tend to be outliers in the material mm. that we work with. But it's yeah. it's very clear mm. when it happens. Mm. Sure. Um, but there's a beautiful little oval that's kind of a, r- a real rich, caramely red. Yeah, um, right. with a with a rough edge, and it's and it's you know. Low. Oh, I think another the one you mean. I was
1: I was looking at that myself. Oh, it's like, fantastic. It's, <laughs> it's low
0: slung. It's like beautiful yeah, proportions, yeah, yeah. and and it just yeah. has this little bite. It's just yeah, a little sharp, a yeah. little dog ah, showing its teeth kind of a vibe. That's so really exciting. interesting. Yeah.
1: I've got a shipment of her work coming in um next week, actually, next weekend, which I'm really excited about. That's so great. That's that's giving me some some good feels for that. But I think that contrasting aesthetic is such here's a question for you. Do when you say you those trees that come along that fit a Tracy tree, I mean a Tracy pot that you have. Mm-hmm. Do you find that they are those trees that are neither masculine, neither feminine, but fit inside that middle ground? Would you, would you say that is part of that choice process? I Just think from so. You, yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, you know where I think I see it in our material in North America is you have trees that are inherently coarse, mm. uh, but the, the character of that particular piece is not. For example, a literati ponderosa pine, Mm. right? This is like an oxymoron almost. A literati, this uh, utter display of thin, delicate, elegant, sinuous on the most coarse, thick, chunky, big, long needle, uh, Mm. you know, really uh, difficult to ramify branch. Uh-huh. And those are the those are are the oxymorons of the aggressive delicacy of Murumbung mm-hmm. uh, uh, ceramic. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I've found those types of trees those really difficult. You know, you're. You, it's not going to sit in a Ron Lang and mm. and have the same pizzazz. It's not going yes. to uh, abide by the environmental insinuation of the Jonathan Cross. It's 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 not going to handle the refinement uh, and the geometry of a Tom Benda. And that's really where I think um, you know curating. The ceramics that we use and the ceramicists whose work we really feel strongly—I mean, it's not about selling their work; it's about having it here for us to utilize and sharing Absolutely. that yeah. opportunity with with people that find our aesthetic or approach to be, uh, you know, uh, fruitful or or ap- applicable. But but it's nice to have the ability to explore. That goes back to the it prolific is. body yeah. of work, right? Like yes. bonsai is defined by a confinement or a constriction of a vessel you know a tree that has a style outside of that is just a tree mm-hmm. uh, and, mm-hmm. and you know so there's all these loose definitions of bonsai or strict definitions mm-hmm. and deviating and all of that stuff okay cool if you're gonna understand the miniaturized tree and its representation of nature in miniature currently the ceramic vessel makes that a bonsai and that yes. ceramic vessel has a greater role than the way it was explored in japan for sure i mm-hmm. think i think yeah. the ceramic body is as groundbreaking as uh, cultural or naturally reflective culturally, culturally reflective naturally f- reflective um, or, or, or uh, diversified species in the approach mm-hmm. to bonsai the ceramic vessel has changed mm-hmm. people's mm-hmm. impressions
1: absolutely, and it gives a greater variety of like abilities to convey mm-hmm. ideas through the work doesn't it like certainly choo- choosing an antique Chinese choosing a modern Japanese choosing a Ron Lang choosing a uh i'm trying to think A Wall Soul choosing a tracy francis absolutely right? or, or not only do they give like cultural um insinuations but but yeah allow you to sort of integrate across aesthetics that it, in a way it's kind of like a metaphor for multiculturalism in a
0: way isn't it mm. like mm.
1: and in this new in this new yeah, uh global I'll. world that we live in
0: yeah <laughs> yeah appropriation becomes like a a counter to that but i you know, mm-hmm. great example. I, I just put yeah. the John Naka California juniper into a very, very uh, ostentatious Jonathan Cross. Mm-hmm. He, I, w- I watched your Mondays at Mirage. Oh, did morning you see it? I got a glimpse. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. That piece, you know, we had it on the bench. We were trying to find, I mean, I moved four different trees out of their containers to try and find a ceramic, Ron Lang, a Sarah Rayner, Tom Benda, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find the right mixture for the John Naka, which we redesigned uh, last mm-hmm. last summer, uh, and it just didn't work. And and Jonathan was just recently up here with a shipment, and he had these these really fantastic, sh- I mean, b- big they uh, I mean, massive. They're I couldn't big. believe the proportion
1: of it. Yeah, yeah, they're
0: big. And and then it was like, you know, putting the Naka, which is like this really interesting, as I've studied John's work, you like have Boneside Techniques One, and here's this formal layout and calendars mm-hmm. and soil mixes. And then in Boneside Techniques Two, by the end of the book, he's like photographing full size trees and he's like drawing a bonsai pot underneath them, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, he got there. Like that's where he was headed was this, 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 this nature and miniature concept. And I, I guess I just felt like it wasn't that inauthentic to put that piece. But this is another one of those historical pieces where I'm just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hand in the many hands that hopefully get to touch that tree over the course of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but putting it in a Jonathan cross I, I felt was right uh, for the moment, but also right for the dialogue of the tree in terms of its um, provenance over time. And mm-hmm. the beauty of the ceramic vessel to me, people get all worked up about it. People have very visceral, strong feelings, which I appreciate because at least they mm-hmm. think about it and consider it. Yeah, yeah, um, love or hate. They're yeah, they're love they're or the hate. Same emotion. I'd same you emotion, different
1: ends of the scale. <laughs> I'd rather
0: you hate it than just accept it, right? yeah uh, but I, I do feel like that is the grounds with which you can really make a decision that isn't so pivotal.
1: Because mm, like you say, for the moment, yeah. it, does, it doesn't have to be there. I'll like, take it out of it and yeah, put exactly it into a formal
0: that. pot in the future if I yeah. don't like it. But, but, uh, and I did that with, his, uh, with, with our Bald Cypress in, in his work mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah. I really enjoyed the contrast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's such a transitory uh, element of bonsai. Definitely, removing a branch is not transitory. Um, you know, re- removing structure is semi not transitory, but a container is completely transitory, without you know, a doubt, completely. So, why not explore that aspect? Why not be playful? Be like, you know, ostentatious about like, sure. like play with it. You know, like a lot of spice, it, it a little curiosity.
0: You know, a little yeah. curiosity. It's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that's that's something that the the abundance of ceramics has also offered. You know, I I I, I don't I don't uh, deny, and I'm sure I've seen your your sort of uh, curation of your uh, ceramic that you're working with, right? Like, you can't deny that being a bonsai professional and having a career around bonsai offers you the opportunity. To justify essentially pushing the the, the boundaries uh, yeah. of 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 bonsai in terms of practice time investment, but yeah. also resources around you to be able to do those things, you absolutely, know, like
1: absolutely, yeah, yeah.
0: And, and certainly in North America. Coming when I came back from Japan, I recognized that like the exploit the sense of exploration was not there because every professional was a a traveling, you know, performer. Mm. Uh, a demonstrator, a workshop leader, but there weren't any real Mm -hmm. pivotal gardens. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think Boone, I think Boone had, had the first real significant location for people to come and Mm -hmm. study. It seems Mm -hmm. like Australia uh, has a little bit more of a garden culture to it. Like that's, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the United States has grown into that, but it seems like you guys have that and have had that.
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot because, you know, I know we've we've discussed it in the past. It's like, how does a professional become a professional and what has been the previous model and what are models that are arising? And like, like, for me personally, I haven't done a whole lot of international travel. Um, there's not been the opportunity currently yet. So I've really just persevered with trying to build up that reputation from from my own garden, much like, you know, you've been trying to doing. And like not trying to compare but like i really find value in being here and being able to explore trees that i'm utilizing and being able to stay close to home and travel close to home mm-hmm. gives me so much more like like so much more depth than in the last 2 or 3 years really trying to really trying to like guide my students and guide my customer base that that is what I want to do. Like I really want people to come here and experience trees here and trying to build that place, even though it is itself, my my place is transitory as a rental, right? It will change and evolve and mm-hmm. be somewhere else eventually. But trying to just build that that culture around the space, I I really, really love that. Like I ever since I was a five year old, I have drawn blueprints for my future dream home and property, right? Ever nice. since I was a five year old.
0: I had no idea. I've
1: always, always loved that idea of creating almost like a village, you know, Mm -hmm. like at times I dreamt of actually creating a village on my property where different interesting people that I like could come and come and be, you know, like as, as, you know, a little kid, that sounds like really nice to build a town, you know, little alleyways and stuff. I used to love that. But, um, um, and, um, and you know, when, when, in the last few years, like thinking about how I want to navigate my career, you know, like I do really want to travel and see the world through bonsai and get that opportunity. But um just in the last year, you know, the the world closing down to travel, it's it's kind of like serendipitously just like push me towards like you've got to really, it's kind of good that you've been solidly like working towards building something right in your own home because that's the only thing you can do right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm quite I I feel like my progression and who knows I'm not going to put a label on it but I feel like my progression through my professional bonsai career it's it's going to be different. It's going to look different in terms of how I move through those motions but yeah, I'm quite I'm I'm just super pumped to be able to build a space. Like that is just my childhood dream, you know, and as a child I had no idea where it was going to, how that was going to happen, you know, but I can see now that through bonsai, I'm going to be able to. I know I will. I'm going to stay. Um, I'm going to stay hopeful of that. That I will produce some sort of a facility or place for people to enjoy um, bonsai and that insight into the environment and allowing people. Like I guess my ethos is: I want to use bonsai to give people a perspective of the world of nature, of landscape, of you know, of the tree itself and what it can communicate through a space and give people that opportunity, you know, like some people can't go to the wild Western mountains of Tasmania and see enough through Texas, but I can bring that experience to them by coming to that space and enjoy that, that feeling, right. That, that exposure to what that tree offers or what the idea of that um, image of that tree offers. And that's, I'm super, I'm super passionate about that curatorial aspect of a garden, a space, a facility, uh, outdoor galleria uh sort of experience. And I'm super pumped about that. And then allowing people to be able to be educated and learn in that space is just it just makes me so excited. Yeah. Um, which is why I really enjoy your space and like because it does exactly that, you know? It it does exactly that. It's that experience where you come and you become immersed in that experience of that place and what bonds I can do for you, um, for your psyche and also just to enjoy trees, you mm. know. Through this lens, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mariah right now is more dismantled than it's been in the past. <laughs> it's just yes. like it is I find it interesting when side. I was
1: there. Like I feel like it was just before all this your your new part of your um career sort of exploded yeah because when i was when i was uh, at murai you were i think you had just purchased the gear for the murai life project right you're in the middle of like figuring out purchasing the the gear and then when i got back to australia is when you were doing the sort of beta
0: that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Cause your first day here, you came from the airport to Spectrum in Wyden Kennedy mm, when we were mm, setting mm, up mm. the exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, golly. Yeah. Things have wow. <laughs> yeah, we just rolled over the four year mark of Mariah Live on Tuesday. Yeah yeah. 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 It's uh it's really crazy. Next month, uh, literally one month from the fifteenth will be the the beginning of the 11th year of Mirai, mm. which is yeah. uh, fascinating because never in the 11th year did I think I would be, <laughs> you know, rebuilding the house that I already rebuilt once 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nor did I oh. think that I would be uh, at such a uh, fundamental level of building on other parts of the garden that served over 10 years such a pivotal function like mm-hmm. where the old greenhouse was. You know, the greenhouse mm-hmm. is gone and it's like this big gravel pad that we're building retaining walls on and thinking about how it's going to function and it's just like you know you can plan as well as you possibly want it doesn't mean shit it it's you know it's like it's it's a loose idea at best (laughs) yes absolutely um
1: which is which you know what is is bonsai as a practice
0: i think so i think so if you can't be loose it's authentic
1: yeah it is authentic yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. it permeates throughout all of life like that dynamic approach to life that dynamic approach to constructing a tree yeah. to constructing a garden
0: you know that makes me feel better thank you for that yeah okay no worries yeah it's part of it if it this wasn't is, there'd be this a problem is what you asked for <laughs> this is what you wanted remember Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, yeah
1: no but exciting you know like i know i know it's a bit naive but you know I kind of sometimes wish I was in your position, having to make those decisions. Cause mm. that just seems like the funnest thing ever to have to I, lay out a pad and construct a new space. Oh my yeah. gosh, that just sounds so fun!
0: Listen, I'm <laughs> I'm not trying to find a different career. I love what I do. No, I agree no. with you. It's amazing. I'm excited to see what you do. Mm. I think though, like, you know, the world is is slowly becoming aware of of uh, <laughs> of you as a bonsai practitioner and artist. They're about ready to be a lot more aware. Because uh because you're doing some work on Mariah Live, which is gonna be mm. insane. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be wild. I'm I think
1: really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let me just let me just take a look here. Maybe you know this. I think your first stream is happening
1: uh, uh last day of the month, was
0: it? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. I think you're the live stream on uh yeah. Tuesday, the thirtieth of March, Hugh Are making his appearance. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yes, on a really yeah, yeah. Imp- on a really impressive piece. Mm. Uh, that,
1: that, it was. I'm glad. You know, I've had that tree. I collected that tree in 2013, first year of university, a long freaking time ago. Mm. A lot has happened in my life since then, and it was one of those trees that I just kept there, it stayed in its same recovery pot for until literally last winter when mm-hmm. I repotted it so God, what's that seven years? It was in the same container, and I knew it was a good piece of material, I knew it was interesting at least, and I never knew what to do with it and mm. I'm so glad I waited I'm so glad I waited and waited cool. and waited and waited, put it in that container, and then the opportunity to have it filmed and bang, it was it. It kind of it kind of embodied, I think, accumulation of my practice without an accumulation of work applied to the tree. Yeah. So I think it was quite exciting to play with that piece during that first, first uh, video.
0: I've only seen I've only seen small moments because I'm because I'm excited to watch it, too. Uh, okay, and so, so you that. haven't even seen it yet. No, yeah. I haven't watched it. I've, I, I, I've, I've, you know, it's been edited for a while now, and I've seen yeah, just, just yeah. pieces of it. But I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that. What, what, what do you think? You know, because the Mirai community is going to be meeting you. Uh, there's a lot of Mirai, obviously Mirai community that knows you from your time here, but they're, mm-hmm. but they're really going to be meeting you where you're at with your work currently. Or at least when mm-hmm. that piece was filmed, which, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm sure you're evolving continually. But um, you know, like, what does somebody need to know about you to understand your work? Not to say like, hey, Hugh, mm-hmm. tell us all about yourself. I'm not like that, you know. And it's not, but like, is there anything that you feel I was like? <laughs> yeah, is there yeah. any context, or do you just feel? Would you rather Ooh, people have wow. no? idea and just see what happens like what does that look Uh, like for you as a creative
1: yeah I mean I guess a bit of both like I guess if I try to explain like where I try to orient is like I think from the start of our conversation today like my methodology I think if I was to put it into some sort of sum up is to be to take a passive approach to trees,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which I feel like comes hand in hand with that highly contrasting, highly up for a lot of the time linear sort of aesthetic that comes around from Australian trees. But I think, I think being able to, hmm, I guess, being able to express like that experience that I have from the landscape is primarily where I oriented from um but being able to see that through i guess oh like an expression of line is something i really really enjoy
0: through through a tree see i feel like i feel like people need to know that you have a fine art background true true and here's why because some of the most humble simple pieces that you've created are the most profound in my mind Mm-hmm. And it comes mm-hmm. with the knowledge that like, oh, this is not a somebody doing this because this is all they had. This is somebody doing this because there's profound beauty, mm-hmm. you know. And and, mm-hmm. and and I think the bonsai community is evolving and maturing and, and definitely becoming far more sophisticated, where I think there's a lot of people that would immediately pull that out of your work. But mm. I think also it helps. It helps mm. to have mm. this knowledge. I mean, you went to university for art, yeah. correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spent four years at Newcastle University and did a, um, a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Mm. Um, in, and I majored in sculptural studies. or as they called it at that um, facility, they called it 3D studies. Um, so the exploration of art through the 3D medium, which to me, I interpreted it as anything everything's 3d
2: to sure. a point. yeah
1: a piece of yeah. paper is 3d from our perspective so three the 3d studio was this like place where you could do anything you like and it was, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a wide open you know yeah 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 um and then i mined also in um uh traditional photography so 35 millimeter shooting which was sort of a nice little contrast to the whole 3D world, you know, using this mechanical thing to create artworks through light, you know, was the essential um, part of that. But through the sculptural studies, I worked in two fields. Um, One was metalwork. So I did a lot of forgery, um, a lot of manipulation of metals in certain forms. Um, And then secondly, in ceramics, which... If I'm honest, I basically used the class through my artist statement to basically make bonsai containers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. So I
1: spent two years being marked and getting grades to make bonsai pots. And I managed, because our lecturer, she was um quite into abstract and trying to use the ceramic medium outside of what it's, I guess, commonly <laughs> seen as, which is pottery, right? Mm-hmm. Um but I managed to convince to her that I could make functional ceramics, but still create a concept that meant more than just functionality through those containers. So, which was, which was really, really fun to just be able to just bang out bonsai pots and get quite, quite, I got quite proficient at it by the end of, I think I did it for two and a half years. Yeah. Cause I did first year ceramics and then I did two for, yeah, it was two and a half years. Um, So that, that was really fun. And then, you know, through, through fine art, I really, through those studies, I really got quite a, um, I wouldn't say I came out of it with like a final body of work. Like I probably no one does in fine art school, but like the idea is you go through art school, you learn all these skills, you learn a lot of theoretical skills, you learn practical skills, and then you kind of narrow to a particular place. And when I think about my final body of work, I don't really see it as like a finality, but I see it as like the beginning of what I would then eventually do. Yeah. Um, but it was it was quite a, it was a really fun place to explore, and and through that that degree, I I did bring a lot of bonsai elements into my fine art degree, um, which I think is what allowed me to really appreciate and explore line and form and three dimensionality. Mm-hmm. Um, from that perspective of analyzing it as uh, a work that says more than what the material is offering. So I guess what I mean by that, like when I think about bonsai as a practice, I, I always orient from the fact that it is a piece of artwork because that is how I intentionally see it as so. Like to me, art is all about intention. If your intention is for that piece to be an artwork, well, that is what it is. But that has to be backed up via craftsmanship and attention to technique and attention to what your concept is, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can make a concept and then say it's an artwork, but is it really? Yeah. But being able to bring all those elements together, you know, intentionality, craftsmanship, um, intention of the work being an artwork, if that is always your first point in exploration then it is so and also if it is then assumed so by other I guess artists or other people viewing the work so through through my fine art studies I really got to explore that unsuccessfully I'll, I will say there was mm. a lot of unsuccessful work you know it's got like to be one right. work <laughs> <laughs> like one work I created I think about it all the time and I'm like oh, I was so naive but I got this juniper tree cascade and then I carved out this wooden sculpture and then wrapped all this metal around it and then hung it from the ceiling so it was these metal threads that I oxy-torched and bent into all this beehive shape and then embedded this carved out burl of wood and then planted a tree in that suspended it from the ceiling and and when I think back on it retrospectively I was so stressed about forming this concept around what on earth was I creating, which in art school, you have to be able to communicate what you create, right? You have to produce a physical portfolio of written work that backs up why you've created what you've created. Mm. And I remember being so torn because I felt like it was naive at the time, but I think I had to do this just ridiculous piece of work that was trying to say something but it also was just for the sake of banging materials together that I had to do that to know what it meant to bang materials together Mm. for the sake of doing it to understand why that doesn't necessarily create art in my mind and so I came out of that and the concept for that was like I think something to do with like you know art versus man-made meshing you know like a very cliche concept of like bringing those two elements together and suspending them in this universe like there was something along those lines but that that work in a way has led me to think further about my practice and I you know I I do orient from bonsai from that artist perspective because everything I do is because I'm trying to communicate something which to me points towards I am trying to communicate an idea to the viewer, whether they're conscious of that or not. That is my intention behind the work. So in a way, I see like the creation of bonsai over a period of time is like the crafting of that piece of work. And the work is only in finality when it's chosen to be digested Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in a way. Mm -hmm. So to a naive viewer of a piece of bonsai, you may see the first styling as... The digestible artwork and it could be from that person's perspective if they if they see it as so um, or if i displayed it as so because that also says something about the tree what it's trying to embody if it's trying to embody a feeling of landscape of culture of or even just the technique of the practice itself you know uh, materiality i think bonsai is such a interesting practice to think about from an art perspective if you're thinking about materiality because what you are creating is the material and the material becomes the work it's this material that continually changes it's not like a piece of metal where you take that metal you manipulate it through heat Mm. and the materiality is is the metal itself but it stays Unchanged or very little, you know, you could bring like oxidization into that element as well, right? Everything changes to a degree whether we see it or not. A piece sure. of stone changes every day. But through bonzo, the materiality continually changes before your eyes. So the practice means you have to respond to materiality in a way on a day-to-day basis to continually perpetuate what the artist statement of the work is. Hmm. It's never Never the same, never is anything that can be something under the right sort of uh, perspective guise or intention of displaying that work to someone. so that's a lot, but I, I think like, in a way, that's kind of what I want to display through my work is that that idea of that continual notion of investigating what that materiality offers to the viewer and how. That can become anything, right? In a way, super loose, super loose idea. But yeah, I think, I think bonsai is quite a profound medium in that sense that allows for that exploration forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Because it, because it, it offers change inevitably. There's no way around that.
0: And the confusion that it causes (laughs) when you try to wrap your mind around it, you know, like when you try to define it and like you try to, build Mm. some structure around Mm. it and walls but i think that
1: confusion is the point that's the point Uh. there is no there is no finality to it if we try and draw finality then we're missing the whole point yeah from the lens of that of um of being a communicative art if we see it as a final piece of work or a finality of concept that is missing the point of what it's trying to communicate it is trying to communicate time over time and the representation representation of time through the material changing according to that time and the elements that the environment offers that also communicate time.
2: Mm.
1: I always like to say like Bonsai is a manifestation or a um, embodiment of time inside of a physical thing.
0: Yeah, it's time, a it's living time capsule. It's a a vessel that holds history and hands and personalities Mm. and ideas. Mm. And yeah, I agree Mm. with that. But I think, what you know, this is where I wrestle with the whole thing is like, is bonsai the art or is bonsai the subject of the art? That that for me is very confusing Mm. because if you say that the moment that it's digested is when it becomes art, then the manner in which it's presented also influences your interpretation of it. And now all of a sudden bonsai is the subject. You know, Absolutely. it's it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, not a prop, but it is a guiding influence in the art of creating an experience for somebody mm-hmm. that hopefully, or it obviously has some intention or dialogue or mm-hmm. desire to communicate mm-hmm. behind it or else, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like yeah. every traditional bone-size show that you see regurgitated from the sure. kofu Fu model sure. across the world, yeah. which is like, I'm Absolutely. sitting here looking at a purple felt, cloth covering on a table with bamboo dividers why are we looking at this like mm-hmm. what, what are we doing here you know like yeah but in a way,
1: I, you could compare that to like an art fair
0: yes into
1: like an art fair sure yeah, where you see this you see artists displaying their work in a market stall table sort of orientation yeah and it's a way of like saying hey here's my work here's what i do this is what it looks like Are you interested or not in this? Like the Bonsai exhibition in a way to me is that. Mm. And there's potential behind that as an art space and the work in itself do communicate something. So I would see them as artworks if the intention is so to do so, but it isn't the context that allows people to digest that intention Mm -hmm. necessarily.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that is the, the biggest Impediment to that style, in terms of it being associated with an art form, is the nature of the the lineup.
2: Yep.
0: Right. Yep. So to say. I, I agree. You would yeah. have to work very hard. You would have to work very hard in mm. that context to really be able to present something in a manner where it's mm. like, wow. Mm. You know, mm. not saying it's impossible. You right. just got to work. And real if you hard you could,
1: that would be. That would be. I feel like in in a way, would be more powerful than trying to do it in a space that is trying to be art. You yeah, know what I mean? yes. Like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Circle, <laughs> yeah, but
0: now, but now you're Obi-Wan Kenobiing the conversation. That is, that is a real brain bender right there. That's intense.
1: But this is the problem with this conversation, right? Art can't be defined nor can it be explained. It's, it's, all, it's all about intention, I believe.
2: Mm, yeah. The
1: intentionality is the powerful element. Whether people understand it or not, that's a totally other part of it, which is where context is so important because context says to the viewer, hey, you're digesting artwork right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah.
0: It's priming you for that experience. Yeah,
1: yeah. You don't go in an art gallery expecting to not see artwork.
0: Right. Right, right exactly <laughs> you're so not walking in they're in like what yeah, are you yeah. guys doing in here you know it's like you know where's yeah. the concert on or you yeah. know like yeah
1: yeah <laughs> which you is don't... why an art gallery is so powerful because it's a space like you can do anything in an art gallery in a way with intention of it being art because The space is, like you say, primed to do so. There's no questioning whether that is there. So when you go in and you see an artwork that you do question as an artwork, at least your first thought is, why is this an artwork? Because you're there to see art. Mm -hmm. You're there to digest art. So it allows you to consider, which in a way is why when you go to a gallery and you you go,
2: how is this?
1: Why is that questioning, I think, is in a way what the intention of the artwork is
0: mm. for some of it, right? For some of it, yeah yeah, 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 because
1: the space is there to do so. You put that item somewhere else. Okay, it's just an item in a place, mm-hmm. but that context is so powerful to build that. Um, well,
0: what about what about the context? You know, as uh, you know, tree makers, like you <laughs> intentionally avoided the the bonsai terminology. <laughs> You know, and yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and this is this is a strong stance. I mean, you and I yeah. have talked about this a lot. I think this, you yeah. know, the notion of is what we're doing in North America, bonsai, and you know, if you change the vessel as the defining, you know, blah blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. I mean, you yeah. you you went uh, uh, away from it from the beginning.
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I've had a few people actually bring this up to me and like notice it's taken it. I've been going by that kind of like umbrella for like a few years now and it's it's only recently I've had a few people actually want a dialogue about that like so what what is this you know or saying hey I kind of get it um, but I guess it was just like yeah trying to make a really clean cut placement of not trying to like say hey like I don't do bonsai or to say that hey I don't respect bonsai or that word but like just to say that I really want to simplify and take away any pre-connotation or preconceived ideas of what the work is. Because as soon as you say bonsai, no matter what you do, if you're cued into what the practice is, you instantly go somewhere. Right? Mm-hmm. Your mind is going to see images. It's going to see things that are relatable, that, are, that you are comfortable with, that you like. So all of a sudden, you're set up in a certain streamline. Of a stream of thought and a stream of consciousness and an ideal already as soon as that is in there you know mm-hmm. so by naming my studio and like what i do as a practice by just calling it tree makers which stems from the idea of hey i make trees right mm-hmm. um allows i think from that get-go people to go what is this what is what is happening here like Making trees. Okay, I want to see these trees being made or this tree that is made. And the word bonzo comes in secondly after that.
0: Yeah. So I then, think that was very smart of you.
1: Yeah. Oh, thank you. But yeah, I think it I think it allows me a bit of uh freedom personally to yes. be more confident inside of that idea. And <laughs> this brings up a bit of um. It's kind of a theory I have, and I've discussed it with a few people, but and I don't want to sound it's this isn't disrespectful, disrespectful to Japanese bonsai at all, but when we practice bonsai outside of the realm of Japan, which if we're practicing bonsai, the word bonsai is from Japan. So that is now the the realm in which we're working inside of, you know, subconsciously. I think when we say I practice bonsai in other countries, Australia, for example. In a way, that is, I need to word this right, is to me, if we do that, we're appropriating the practice because that word has cultural significance. It has significance to place, Mm -hmm. right? Which is such an important thing. I think contextually place is really important. So if we practice bonsai in Australia using a shimpaku juniper, technically it never can be the practice of bonsai. Because it is outside of the sphere that all those elements are, are coming under. So in a way, to me, the only way to truly practice bonsai in another country outside of where that comes from, say, for example, Australia again, in a way, we're closer to doing bonsai through an Australian species, discovering the aesthetic and Communicating and digesting what that aesthetic is, than we are taking a Japanese species and producing a bonsai in Australia. Mm. To me, that is appropriation, not saying that's just that's downplaying what it is, but that is an appropriation of the work and discovering aesthetic and communicating ideas that are Australian through. Australian trees and species and ideas and landscape and all the context and all that is more bonsai than the other is. Hmm. Wow, to me hmm. that, 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 that is what sort of fuels, I guess, very, very deep down fuels my practice and hmm. that that idea to explore, not not exploring like like um, disrespectfully or exploring without intention but allows me to kind of orient from a value system that allows me to
0: practice. Yeah, that's interesting. To practice, that's interesting. yeah. I feel, I, you know, it's tough for me when I think about all of the, you know, the ways, and obviously you and I have talked about a lot of this because in Australia there's a, you know, really relatively undefined. Uh, approach to the to the native representation and in North America, mm. I, I I think you know it's it's been here for a long time. There's a lot of individuals that have been exploring it, and we're just kind of perpetuating that. But 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 the the pinging model, you know, the pinging model mm. as the as the point of origin and what it stood mm. for, and the aesthetics mm. that uh, you know guided that in the culture of these schools of pinging throughout China, you know, the migration of pinging uh to japan and then this cultural influence and and these cultural ideals of japanese culture being applied to this nature and miniature and you start to see the 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 this shibui nature and, and wabi-sabi mm. aesthetics and beauty and the imperfection, but uh, the shokunin mentality, these are all like, you know, yeah. these different angles that are contributing yeah. to bonsai in Japan being culturally reflective and penjing in China being very culturally reflective. Mm. You know, the, bi- the big migration of bonsai back to China over the mm-hmm. past 10 years, 10, 15 yeah. years, and seeing bonsai made in Japan in China really honestly turning into penjing. I mean, let's just be really honest. Yeah, there, yeah, there, yeah. there isn't a lot of photo documentation of that coming from China and, 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 unless, you know, you're somehow tied into the accessibility to that imagery or that social circle. But the few images that I have seen of trees that have been in China for upwards of 10 years exported out of Japan, is crazy to de- it's impo- in in fact it's not crazy it's impossible to deny mm-hmm. that the place mm-hmm. as you were saying is influencing the culture mm-hmm. the nature the individuals as a filtration of that sense of place uh acting on mm-hmm. the the aesthetic and what's generated uh yep. it, it just was such an undeniable undeniable gesture of of yes, the honesty yep. of that But I don't know that it makes it more bonsai to do, to 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 practice this notion in Mm. in North America. I just feel like the idea, the purity of the idea of representing nature in miniature, is the core, right? Like that's that you're using this that's the
1: constant in the equation
0: Uh, uh, across the board, right? You're you're, you're taking this undigestible titan. Uh, mm-hmm. and you're miniaturizing it mm-hmm. so that you mm-hmm. can take it all in. The, the vantage point that we all want and cannot yes. have, I'm looking up at my bald cypress forest. I cannot see the apex of that tree. I put that at a height and a scale where I get to see that, and it is yes. really, really satisfying. Now, I think like inside of that, for me, the notion of why would I want to do that, I think it creates a uh, capacity to understand our role. Uh-huh. Our, our our role and i really do look at human beings as a pretty significant influencer of the natural environment but i think uh maybe outside of obviously a lot of exceptions over the course of history but a very small percentage of people that i would consider to be that exception poor translators poor uh-huh. translators and interpreters right we uh-huh. we are relatively poor, poor interpreters of the natural uh-huh. environment uh-huh. And so consequently you've got this landmass and all of the complexities of the biology and the mineral mineralogy and the 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 uh aspects of climate on this on landmass. Mm. And then you have this one single bridge which is the tree. Mm. That's like I can't talk to you but mm. I speak to mm. you more clearly mm-hmm. than the dirt that I'm growing in and you're standing mm. on. And I'm going to yes. help do my best to inform you of this, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. like it's the great bridge. And then suddenly mm. we come along and we're like, but you're too big. So now we're going <laughs> to shrink you down to a size that we can all grapple with what the hell you're trying to say in a manner that makes us or allows us, enables us to understand. Yes. And I guess yeah. that's where, for me, it feels like call it what you want. Call it what you want you know ultimately it doesn't really matter but i think you give yourself a lot of freedom to not have some sort of immediate ah you do bonsai Mm -hmm. got it you know Mm -hmm. it's like oh no hang
1: on just a second hang on just a second yeah it's like bonsai is like like when we studied sculpture we always had to make a maquette right which is a a miniature somewhat conceptual but quite illustrative version of what we are wanting to make mm. it's kind of like bonsai is like it is it is the final work in a way but from another lens it is the maquette to the final work that is understanding the world greater hey, in a way the like meaning of life you i know love I mean?
0: that i think that's beautiful i agree So
1: maybe maybe the artwork of bonsai is the understanding of life in general rather than yeah being the work itself
0: (laughs) maybe maybe the the artwork of bonsai is uh you know is the awareness of uh decreasing carbon footprint or a necessity for conservation or making a different decision about sustainable material you know the the artwork of bonsai might might be sustainable (laughs) living as yeah. as as the true blue mm. sort of byproduct mm. of this great experiment. Mm. I I anyway you go about it. The the other fascinating thing about bonsai is it does tend to produce positivity. Now
1: yeah, negativity doesn't necessarily come along very often
0: around bonsai, does it? Like only when the person becomes the focus. That's the really interesting thing, <laughs> right? Like. Who yeah, did okay. this? How much can I pay for this? You know, like... Uh, the human issues. Yeah, the human issues. Yeah. But like when you just talk about, I'm make a tree, I'm going to water a tree, I'm going to prune a tree, I'm going to wire a tree. I'm going to share this with others. I'm going to have a conversation about this. The, the majority of that, the experience around... Uh, somebody recently told me the tree is the greatest protagonist. The tree is the greatest protagonist Uh, Mm -hmm. or the tree is a constant protagonist. And I just thought that was interesting. Unless you get crushed by Mm -hmm. a tree walking Mm -hmm. in the woods, you know, and even then you might say, well, you didn't really intend to. That's like a whale, you know, like, uh, like suddenly breaching on a boat. It's like, yeah, uh, there's no intention. There's no intention there. You're in the wrong spot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But shockingly, a lot of people get crushed by trees. I digress. You know, like this notion that the tree has good intentions, Continually good intentions mm. is, is, a I think, a fascinating thing to consider. Mm. Uh, mm. And it goes hand in hand with the positivity of, mm. of our proximity to these trees, which I think it's very hard. You know, you talk about nurserymen, and Randy talked about it in his last podcast. You could talk about mm. conservationists potentially, but you'd say, where does their hand come in? Like, I don't know anybody who handles trees more intimately than we do. Mm. mainly because we're not whacking, hacking, death is not an option, uh, we're sculpting the root system as well as the canopy mm. of the tree and hopefully doing it mm. depending on your ethos around the process uh, mm. as, in response to right, in collaboration mm. with but not mm. in, in, in domination of the yes. the material so suddenly it's like wow the, the the conversation we're having with trees as bonsai practitioners does tend to be quite profound compared to yes. I don't I, I, any other any other endeavor involving a living art form? I don't know.
1: Yeah. There, there's an intense amount of intimacy that has to be involved. Yeah. Like, you, you, if you don't, there, there's, there's a failure, whether that means not necessarily death, but a failure to meet the, the, the position that you're trying to acquire through the tree in a way. Like, right. That intimacy has to be involved. To understand the tree so you can collaborate right you have to communicate you have to understand and be on a as equal level as you can find mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. yeah it mm-hmm. ah, it's a great art form in that regard
0: it's great or practice
1: it's it, because you just you just you can't not be invested you like you have to be yeah like y- you have to be there you have to be communicating and dialoguing and responding and and
0: working with you just you just can't know yeah like, yeah like, like this is this is where I really came full circle with Mr. Kimura studying with him because you know there are a lot of pieces of work that Mr. Kimura did that I thought were quite um, uh, were quite imposing you mm-hmm. know where 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 it seemed like he came before the tree but 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 You know, when you really look at that and you think about the mechanical means by which he manipulated the shape and form of the tree, Mm -hmm. his level of intimate understanding, not in, and we're Mm -hmm. not, we're not Mm -hmm. talking about like somebody giving somebody a massage. We're talking about somebody like, like really doing Mm -hmm. internal, uh, Mm -hmm. operations, you know, like, oh
1: oh, (laughs) man, yeah.
0: Like at the, at the highest level, um, yeah. And that kind of intimacy, like you described it, is is pretty profound, even from the most, what seems on the surface, the most artificial ego-driven manipulation. In order for that to work, the knowledge of the Mm. system, the analysis of that tree's character needs, physiology, uh, continuation of that, you know, was on a level that I, I I, think like it's easy to see his work and you see certain people's work and you say, wow, it's really brilliant. But it's like when you go that extra step, you know, and, I, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and it doesn't have to come with that heavy manipulation, but that's what it looked like for him. That was the, yeah, the yeah, depth absolutely. that he was able to achieve.
1: Yeah, and like you say, the, the fascinating thing about that is like whether you love it or hate it, like it was still successful from the trace perspective. Mm-hmm yep like even if it was heavily manipulated or highly engineered or coerced into like you know some people might say an unnatural perspective, the tree has still taken that on positively, obviously, because, like you say, the the technical proficiency and the and the uh, ability for him to be able to work with that tree was successful. So the tree is responding appropriately, which is the most fascinating thing about that process.
0: That's the one. Even yeah, it's crazy. It's the like, one. Yeah.
1: Uh, that's a new perspective. That's a really new perspective when his work in particular. It's huh.
0: like, yeah. It's it's like crossing that hurdle of like your immediate prejudices and, you know, mm. of, for me specifically, mm. you know, having the experience of the apprenticeship and just a, a knowledge of the inner workings and stuff, man, mm. it's it's you know, it's cathartic to get to a point where you can like look at that and be like wow okay no that was that was that, that was profound i mean it was profound mm. just in terms of the engineering or the the creative genius of it but it's mm. profound in terms of the relationship to the tree that's a that's some some place that that's relatively recent for me to mm. to mm. recognize mm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm. perspectives
1: mm. it's so good there's so many perspectives you can take it's it's immense
0: Well, and I think people, you know, this conversation, people are thinking about it more. Uh, And it's like you talking to Sam and Jared. I mean, I follow Jared and everything he's doing down in um, Tasmania. I mean, that's really interesting. The species he's working on, his aesthetic and approach, and uh, obviously Sam and... um, the national collection in Canberra is seems to me to be a centrifuge of Australian bonsai. I think they've been yeah. super progressive and and uh, supportive of bonsai professionals and the art form in, yeah. on, on a national level, which is just like Absolutely. so ballin. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: yeah, it, we're really lucky to have that facility mm-hmm. and and to just to see, like from my perspective, such a successful notion of perpetuating a tree you know back to where we started the conversation like such a a really I think successful way of perpetuating those trees and preserving them in the most profitable way for them to become what they need to be going forward like they're just doing such a phenomenal job like I really hands down to what they both Lee and Sam are doing there yeah Lee's
0: crushing yeah Lee's crushing super
1: super super lucky to have that as a like you say a centrifuge for australian bonsai to to lean on
0: yeah yeah but i mean it, it does come down to th- the movement forward you know really does come down to professionals like yourself i truly believe that like the the intimate moments yeah. the time spent behind closed doors with the lights on and 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 mm. and nobody there where you just where mm. you're just grinding you're mulling mm. it over you're, mm. you're walking the benches daily watering and doing all the menial stuff mm. where that next great idea or, or thought mm-hmm. process or realization or technique or a study. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like you cannot get away from the fact that a practice is meant to be practiced. You know, it's mm-hmm. not meant it's, yeah. to be thought about being practiced. You gotta be doing it constantly. Yeah, yeah. yeah you do,
1: you do, you yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. If I I really notice the times where I do have a lull in like physical activity around the practice. Like yeah, you gotta kind of like train yourself again. You gotta it's like, it's like yes. stopping jogging for a while. <laughs> you go for another jog, and you're like, oh, Jesus! <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. I gotta um, got do this for a few days before I can run up that hill. You know that I used to run up. <laughs> right. Right. That's... I had that recently on a um, tea tree I was working with, and um, I had to heavily manipulate two. The structure was totally contradictory, right? And I had to heavily manipulate two pieces of the structure. And I hadn't done any heavy manipulation for a while. Like I say, I really like to orient from a place of super passive working the structure that's there. That's always like my, I try and pull as much out of that as possible. But these two branches, I had to manipulate them from a design perspective. And I was starting to play with that. And I was like, oh, geez, I'm really out of, out of whack with this, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it it took me, you know, a few trials to come back to the tree. Not like I was, you know, wrangling it into position, but I had to like stop and go. Oh, okay, you're a little bit out of out of tune here. You need to come back in and and just really feel it out before you get there. And and that was really good because it took the tree's structure to a place that I hadn't actually imagined it to go, but it was the best place for it to go. Nice, just based on where it needed to um end up from from the tree's perspective mm-hmm, you know
2: mm-hmm. i was
1: going to manipulate it but the tree still led where that manipulation would occur there was no like injustifiable action um come hell or high water you're gonna bend yeah, <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> yeah but yeah. you know and this is a this is i think is a another I'm going to put some more umbrellas on Australian trees, right? There is a tendency for a lot of Australian species to be unlike a juniper or pine where there is a high degree of flexibility mm-hmm. inherently in the material itself. Um, so I feel like that passive approach in a way has to be like a, a, a slight position to orient from when approaching these very, very rigid, confidently lined trees in a way. Like... That manipulation, I think, has to be highly considered before being implemented.
0: Um, so, you're saying morally. that pines and junipers are more malleable, but Australian species tend to be more rigid?
1: Yeah, I hate, to, I really hate to umbrella Australian species like Australian, confident, native, you know, confident lines. That's beautiful. But, but yeah, confident. yeah, there's like, <laughs> I, I wired up a spruce the other day. After working on a few, um, I worked on a few tea trees and a couple of uh, Melukas. Melukas are fairly flexible, but um, but I was wearing a spruce, and I was like, "God, you feel like a rubber band. I can do whatever you like with you." Compared to right, yeah, it just sure. felt so like, <laughs> so um, yeah, just like I could do anything I liked in a way. You know, I'm sure if I worked on hundred spruce in a row, I'd start to feel the limitations. But mm-hmm. when you just compare it really simply, yeah, I was like, "Oh wow, you just." flop flop branch 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 there it goes you know
0: (laughs) a little bit here and a little bit there
1: in a way like a a lot of people think like i exclusively work on native species but you know i don't i just that is my point of orientation because you know based on that previous discussion before like that is where i see i'm truly practicing bonsai as a practice Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: because i get to reflect right but I do work on it because obviously exotic species as we call them in Australia, everything else other than Australian is exotic. And uh-huh. um it's funny, I don't really hear a lot of other cultures, Bonzo cultures call other species exotic, but it seems to be a bit of an Australian. That's definitely an before. Australian thing, right? Yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's For natives sure. and there's exotics. Right. Know? Um so when I when I do work on exotics, it feels like it feels like going back on the treadmill and training, you know, because there is this imagery in your minds that you can just intuitively flick back to, you know, mm-hmm. and there is a sense of technical intuitiveness that you can continually flick back to because that is what you digest a lot of the time in literature or, or content. Um but just uh I think a lot of the species that are exotic that we use in Australia are the most commonly used exotic species in the world. So they're obviously highly able to be bonsai. For lack of a better term, like like the shimpaki, right? It's been selected to be bonsai to to a high degree, so of course it works. Yeah, commonly for technique. So when I do go and work on those species, it's like you know you kind of just get to relax for a while.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and just just
1: chill out, just chill out and make bonsai, you know. Yeah, and then and then that gears you up to then go and and work on um, Australian species, which you know it's not to say like they're this highly other thing but or this highly hard thing but there's there's a different feeling you have to bring to that that approach because it is different it's not not different
0: yeah not i think different. it's i think yeah. it's very different and i think yeah i i from the limited experience i've had it's like ooh, this is new this is interesting and exciting I think too like going back to the concept or the discussion of working on these trees that are sort of really really old established trees in, in Australian mm-hmm. bonsai that are sort of com- coming out and you're like whoa where have you been it, it's really hard to fathom what hundreds of years of an art form and practice does like you have mm-hmm. those pivotal pieces and then you have the perspective of time and history yeah. and provenance but also this notion of genetics you know, and yes, you're talking about shimpaku. This is essentially an engineered bone-sized species, and you're absolutely mm. right. As, as are the black pine, white pine, red pine mm. deciduous, mm. you know, when you talk about the Japanese beach, and then they've got the Fuji, which is the dwarf form, and, you know, it does X, Y, and Z, and the Chojubai is the is the dwarf form of the Canameleus japonica, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. on and on and on. It's been happening so long that what is natural, it's like trying to get ume, outside of Japan to behave like ume in Japan, when mm. every ume in Japan has been grafted with the most ideal form that ramifies and is fine and yeah, flowers. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you can't, you can't fathom hundreds of years of a practice in North yes, America yes. or in Australia when we're, even if you say like the thirties, the forties, the fifties, the this, is, this is not even a hundred years old yet, you know? All right. All right. Uh, it's nothing, nothing
1: to a tree at least. <laughs> no, not to a tree yeah. or
0: or to a practice that revolves around yeah, yeah. Uh, around a tree, yeah. you know, it's Absolutely, like, it's, yeah. it's pretty uh, impressive. And it is
1: impressive. Yeah.
0: It's why I say, listen, tip of the iceberg, really tip of the iceberg, yeah. Yeah. 10 years into Mirai, I I'm seeing things 10 years later on a tree that was collected 10 years ago. And it's like, oh, wow, that took 10 mm-hmm. years, that took 10 years for that live vein to stabilize. That took Hardly. ten years for that for that Hardly. pine to adjust its sap flow.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting you because uh, you've been talking about that. Obviously, it's been a revelation recently. But
0: oh, oh there he is! Hey, this is this is possum. A possum, <laughs> a possum, the cat. <laughs> yeah, possum the cat. He
1: acts more like a dog than a cat. So I call him possum the cat dog. Nice, um, nice. Yeah. a handsome cat. Um, he is handsome. Yeah, he's beautiful. Um, oh,
0: lost my train of thought uh talking about revelations that i've been speaking about oh yeah
1: like about that action of like that action that like trees are making those changes before your eyes and you're just seeing that 10 years in like it's something that i've i've kind of realized too with a lot of trees that i collected you know seven eight nine years ago sort of when i started collecting material and also seeing those changes as well recently. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I noticing them a lot from your dialogues, like going, oh, okay. ah, oh, that's what's happening. Just like the ending of randomness where the tree stops yeah. killing a branch. Stabilizes. Something, yep. something being unhealthy, something being weird, the root system doing crazy things. Yeah, it seems to be that seven to ten year period where the trees just go, oh, okay, this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. This is my new life. I this is accept this is. now. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I feel good about yeah. it. I feel like we've 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 worked yeah. this up. But this is yeah. like, if you even even as recently as you know Melbourne when we were there and the discussion of man, Australian mm. natives are fast. You've got to be pruning mm. them. You've got to be pinching them. You've got to be handling mm. them. And it's like, yeah, so are the rocky, so are Rocky Mountain junipers. They're mm. fast. Mm. They'll 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 yeah. grow yeah. like crazy. But that doesn't that doesn't change the fact that there's still deeper issues that that tree is dealing mm. with that's like mm. somebody being happy but secretly you know they have a lot of emotional trauma like there's absolutely there's a lot of a lot of trauma in bonsai man becomes the unpredictable force of nature for that tree we replace or at least we add to mm. the threshold that, that that tree is already withstanding now obviously yes. there's benefits to that hopefully you know, I mean mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and Randy and I talked about the forest fires wiping out a lot of really tremendous yeah. irreplaceable collecting grounds. It's like yeah. y- you know, the trees that, that were collected from those sites are still alive and those other trees are not, you know. I'm mm-hmm. whatever that's mm-hmm. worth for people. Such a crazy discussion that on that perspective is a little slippery.
1: It's very slippery, yeah, yeah. Very, very slippery. Yeah, it gets a little yeah. slippery. But yeah. but but like as as I think like with that perspective, like now that you have that of that yeah it does take up to a decade to stabilize a tree to be in this new form like what does that mean now for the next 10 years of perspective like that's going to evolve the way in which you handle practice go forward with a tree oh yeah this year you know like oh yeah like like how do you see that changing like what what are things that you would implement i
0: mean that's so funny i've been thinking about this super hardcore mm. Be- mm, because it, yeah. yeah because be- because now 10 years into marai there's a large enough body of work that has been through enough trials and tribulations with me that like i'm repotting trees you know, some of them for the second time, some of them for the yep. third time. I'm changing containers. I change mm-hmm. containers. I'm changing them back. I change containers. Mm-hmm. I'm changing them again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've designed trees. I'm redesigning. I'm readdressing design. I'm advancing design, but but also recognizing, like, oh, you know, the thing that made being in Japan, it's like there were always problems, but the problems of dealing with trees in Mister Komura's garden. We're so different than the trees here Mm -hmm. because they're so fresh. Uh, Mm -hmm. The trees here are so fresh. And 10 years Mm -hmm. in, talking about these stability things and then recognizing that you really do set into this highly refinable mode only after. I mean, like you can technically execute refinement, but you can't. physiologically execute refinement on a tree Mm -hmm. until Mm -hmm. the tree is ready.
1: Mm. It's like a pseudo-refinement, isn't it? it, it it's like a
0: taster of like, yeah, this is what I could do. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's like, uh, try this on for size. How does that feel? <laughs> yeah. Someday when you're a grown-up, yeah, yeah. you can have a suit of your own, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, it's we need like, to get it tailored, though, before it really fits you, you know? <laughs> well, and it's even just like a little kid like, here, put on your dad's hat. And, you know, his this vest. And someday yeah, we'll sure. get to you your own yeah. fishing pole. It's like... Uh, It's just such a, uh, uh, there's a few trees specifically this spring that I've been looking at. And I'm just like, God, there was a time in my bonsai career where I thought I would see trees that took on this patina, you know, at Johnny Uchida's place in the Bay Area. He had some really long-term bonsai and seeing the Huntington and Collection North and, you know, you see these trees. And I was just like, I, I never thought, I just thought I'll never have that. And then, and then there are these trees that, from the very beginning, ten years ago, you know, we, I started with, and now they're at this point where if uh, a younger me came to Mariah and saw that, mm. they'd say, "I'm never going to have that." And to <laughs> see that happening now, I'm just like, "Son of a gun!" What it, a time warp! It it happened. <laughs> it was like I remember standing there looking at trees like that and just thinking, yeah, yeah. "That's that, That's yeah. out of my reach." And now suddenly, yeah, it's yeah. it's here. It's 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 really. Yeah. And that's one of those uh, rewarding moments, I guess, yeah. maybe.
1: This is exactly the reason why, like, when when I had this, like, thought in my mind of, like, I want to try and initiate, like, a, a higher degree of study in bonsai and thinking about, like, just, just that romantic notion of, like, studying with a professional. And, like, the reason I reached out to you was because... I think in a way at that time, I was slightly conscious, but more subconscious than anything else, aware that if you go and study bonsai in Japan, you may gain a perspective of where the work can go, Mm -hmm. but not of how the work can be constructed to reach that point. Exactly. Like I saw no value in studying in Japan from that perspective that like our material isn't there. It's not at that stage. It's not the same. It's not in that state of um being created like i needed to get that perspective of building trees Mm -hmm. not not maintaining trees Mm -hmm. in a way Mm -hmm. if you're just going to put it real simply and like i really saw that as a lot more valuable than going to japan to study from that perspective
0: i agree and i think i think it's even i think it's even progressed further you know, I mean, I think the number of tree makers in Japan is very, very limited, mm-hmm. and th- this is the next step in any bonsai culture. Uh, you know, Europe is going through this right now too. But you, you go through this phase of tree creation, in these discovery of material or discovery of technique, and then, and then you have to go through the 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 process of. And, and and coming full circle back to these trees coming out of the uh, out, out of the sort of gorillas in the mist in in Australia, you know, it's like oh my gosh, where's that been? It's like well, that's a skill set to be able to handle a tree with provenance and make those mm, decisions. Mm, that's a, well. yeah. that's a deep that's a deep mm-hmm. skill set, and it's a skill set to understand how you go about restyling a tree as opposed mm-hmm. to initially designing a tree because mm-hmm. those concepts mm-hmm. are so different, right? They're almost
1: like different practices in a way. Oh, they are. Yeah. Like when I teach my students, I I sort of, I sort of break bonsai into like almost like three distinct practices. One is development of material, right. Which Yamadori accelerates you to right, get past that, that point or buying a piece of nursery stock that's ready to design that skill set, you know, still growing, collecting could be put in that skill set, slow growing a tree in colanders or whatever the practices that, that's a totally different world. It's mm-hmm. a different mentality, a different practice. Constructing trees, right, and building that scaffold system, which I think is where a lot of people orient from in terms of terms to practice. They bring they bring growing operation techniques into bonsai, or they put ramification techniques into bonsai construction into, you know, field growing. You know, the, yes. you know they don't mishmash. That's a totally different skill set. And then the third practice is almost like what the Japanese practice is now, which is continuing to evolve or attempting to continue to evolve and maintain and perpetuate and reconstruct trees that already have existed as bonsai. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're three, to me, totally different places. And when I teach, I always get people to, when they have a piece of material in front of them, you know, whether it's from mature tree, a developed tree, refined, raw material, sapling. I always try and get my students to, Tell me, I say, where are you orientating from? What is this piece of material? So then you can have clarity around what skill set you need to be able to inject into the work that you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And without that, I think, I think especially for an Australian audience where we're trying, we're starting to see that difference, you know, with those old trees coming up, lots and lots of new material coming into the community now, um, whether it's, you know, field-grown material, collected material, trees that have been you know, been styled on and off for a long period of time, young material being developed. And, you know, like, against those old trees coming up. We're, I think finally in Australia, that perspective of those three different bodies of practice are there now. Mm-hmm. They're there sitting in front of us. And I think if we're going to be able to appropriately work those trees, being accelerated by the influence of the rest of the world, um, which is such a great, you know, this t- this time in, in bonsai in the world I think is so extraordinary because we can so easily grasp those three different worlds and yeah I think pick and choose where we need to. And that's always the place I try and get my students to orient. Like choose where you're at with that tree. So then you know what skill set to apply and when not to apply. Because that will that will take you so much more forward than than just jumping in like you're going to do bonsai. Well what type of bonsai are you going to do? I think that That is really important to the way I teach and and my students as well. and I think it's been quite good for them to to be aware that there is those different different uh realms to to work inside of, as opposed to just bond and umbrella practice. yeah
0: yeah yeah, I agree i agree yeah, the the as always, you know with anything of content, the deeper you go the deeper it goes. You know, it's like <laughs> 10 years in, I'm like, oh, wait. there might
1: be a thought a fourth category we uh, create one day.
0: <laughs> I have no doubt. I have no doubt. And I it, this is this is this is where uh this is where all of these, you know, not time tested and not time proven bonsai approaches and cultures are at the moment Australia, North America um you know, South Africa, Central and South America. It's like 70, 80 years in tie, It's not a significant tie culture. If you talk three or 400 years, and that's not using Japan as a reference, that's just right. using generational working out, perpetuation, creation of history, modernization, uh, and, and evolution of concepts. It's, there's, there's something very uh, profound about that kind of time put into it, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and who knows, maybe we'll, maybe we'll all end up in the same spot. I, I, I don't yeah, know.
1: that's totally possible too. Yeah. I, the, yeah.
0: Which would be interesting. But yeah. um Yeah. Hugh, it's been magical, man. I miss you and I'm excited yeah. to see you on the Are stream.
1: You? Yeah, it's going to be good. It's I'm I'm really pumped and I'm really excited to share um what I have to offer and Australia has to offer to 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 the community. Love
2: yeah. it. Yeah, and,
1: love it. And, Really appreciate the opportunity, Ryan. It's going to be, um, yeah. yeah.
0: Really, really appreciate it. You bet, you bet. Mostly. I I yeah. appreciate it too. Listen, it is no small as we've been working through this. It is no small feat, uh, mm-hmm. no. you know, <laughs> to to, to do what we're doing for yeah. for you know for yeah. people thinking we're just making videos and that it's mm-hmm. it, it's it just doesn't look like that. It's been yeah. a lot of work on yeah. your part and yeah. No, I look I'm becoming
1: forward. aware of the intensity of the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah yeah
0: it is it just is but uh but it's a beautiful way to share your work and i'm really excited for the world to get to see it so um thank you you know we'll see you on uh on march 30th you'll be you'll be uh uh, super tuesday man (laughs) i'm looking forward to it excellent and uh from there onward and upward huh yes yes
1: awesome yeah yeah, very good
0: very good all right well you enjoy the rest of your day thanks for joining us and uh, we'll catch up soon okay
1: yeah catch up soon all All right right, catch ryan thanks Bye.